Louis Ungalale. Touchdown, Ross! They go with a run of third and three, and that's blown up right at the point. John Richard. Four-man front for the toss, drifting back in cover. There comes the pressure. Way Walker, shot out of a cannon. In it. Near side, pass is caught. George Pickens. Gary lost a yard his first one. They bank it to him and smothering the quarterback is Tyreek Smith. Welcome, everybody, to a new episode of Draft on Tap. My name is Aldo Gandia, and I got to tell you, about uh, just before the pandemic, I had my uh, uh, both of the bathrooms redone, remodeled, uh, and, you know, the, the entire thing. And so those were pretty much two of the worst weeks I've ever had in my home of 15 years because it was those two weeks were just a mess. Everything is everywhere. And, um, you know, I miss my medicine cabinet. You know, are you, are you sure we're going to get a better medicine cabinet than this? And there's dust and it's, well, that's what's happening with the Chicago bears right now. Ryan Poles is rebuilding the entire Chicago bears roster. And it is a bit painful to live through as we've gone through several days of wondering what's the next move. When will it come? Oh, that's a player that I wanted. Why, why is he going over there? Why didn't Ryan Pole sign him? And so we're going to try to make some sense as to who is coming, coming over to Chicago bears, uh, who has left uh, talk about that. And then we'll also uh, preview uh, a bunch of, college prospects that could fill some very big holes for the Chicago Bears roster. And we're going to do that with Danny Shimon. Hey, Danny, how are you, man? What's up, Aldo? How are you? The, the biggest concern is when your medicine cabinet's moved is, is where you store your Viagra. <laughs> That's always in my pocket, man. You never know where you need it. We're ready to go. Always ready to go, Aldo. <laughs> exactly. And the trio, uh, it also consists of Neil Stopchinski. Neil, you got some big old guns there, man. You've been working on yeah, yeah, getting back into it, man. Hey, we gotta we gotta uh, melt off all the holiday cheer and get back into uh, beach season gears. So, rock and roll, <laughs> Neil broke into the Fl the Flintstone vitamins and he's he's pumping those in. <laughs> hey, he keep keeps a million strong and growing, baby. Let's go. I'll tell you, we've had uh, a lot of excitement for this show uh, an hour before. Right, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, people were in the chat room already uh, sh sharing information, sharing thoughts and so forth. And uh, one of our people in the chat room told me, hey, Brian Pringle to the Chicago Bears. And I said, OK, I got to put my mm -hmm. that in my graphic. Uh, it, there is just tons and tons of stuff happening with the Chicago Bears. And uh, Ravi says Pringle is quality. I'm going to ask you, Danny Shimon, is Pringle quality? Yeah, he's he's a guy that that last year I think really broke out with with the Chiefs. I mean, he's a guy from from Kansas State. I liked him coming out of college. Uh, you know, not a, a highly known uh, product, uh, more of a you know a, a, a like a possession type receiver. But but he had six one, two hundred seven pounds, good size. Ran a four four six at the combine coming out of Kansas State, and it just really just kind of waited his turn at, at you know with the Chiefs. And then last year really came on the scene. I believe he had five or six touchdowns last year. A little over 600 yards receiving, so uh, he's a guy. I think just you know, like Ryan Pohl said, you know, he's going to get these guys and, and give them contracts based off of what their potential could be. Not it's and the best thing is it's only a one year make it or, or or you know or prove it kind of deal, one year deal. So I, I like it. You know, you, you needed to get one of these one of these receivers in here, and I think um, you know Pringle. Obviously, he knows them right from from KC, so there's you know familiarity there with the player. Um, I just think it, you know right now there's 
the room is barren, right? So you needed some some bodies, and I think Pringle is a quality quality kid to go ahead and bring in. And, and then there you got the uh, the kid from Notre Dame, uh, Equinius St. Brown. Uh, I kid, I liked a lot coming out of Notre Dame as well. And 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 I'll, I'll probably let Neil go ahead and take it since he's an Irish boy here. He'll go ahead and take it in terms of um, you know breaking him down. But I mean, just real quick on on him is six five, you know, ran a four four eight forty. You know, he's got 33 inch arms, so it gives you that big catch radius. Really, he, he's he's been kind of disappointing uh, in terms of his uh, lack of production with the Packers. So, we'll, you know, we'll curious to see how how that goes. And I wonder. Obviously, Getsy knows him. Obviously, Getsy wanted him in the system, so gonna probably give him an op- opportunity to come in here and and obviously compete for a starting job. So, but Neil, I mean, I I, I loved St. Brown come out of Notre Dame. I, I I think his brother is better. He went last year to to the to the Lions. Uh, Amra St. Brown, but. Uh, I think I think it's a big body kid, and uh, he wasn't the, the, the kid, the the receiver. I thought they're gonna get from the pack. I thought they're gonna get uh, Valdez Scanling, but uh, you know this is a guy that coming here probably get an opportunity to start. So uh, I like them out of Notre Dame. What what'd you think of him? Yeah, I mean he was he he was fine at Notre Dame. You know he wasn't a uh, he, he wasn't a guy that made or break us, or made made or broke us. I, I don't know what the correct vernacular is. Honestly, <laughs> I'm not an English major. Um, <laughs> He he was he wasn't a massive difference maker. Let's just go ahead and say that he, he was. Oh, a really his nice sophomore, he had a he had a huge sophomore year. Yeah, 961 he did. He, he, he did. But like he like you know Chase Claypool was the guy that came on Notre Dame recently that really like set the mold of you know difference making wide receivers in Notre Dame. Like we we had our version of what we thought a difference making wide receiver was at Notre Dame with you know Lake Dawson and Tim Brown and and uh, you know even Bobby Brown and. Yeah, you know, I, I can go on and on, but you know, Chase Claypool really kind of set the set the mark of guys with size, speed, athletic ability, high point, you know, one on one, you know, uh, winning ability, things like that. New Mexico State just beat UConn, massive upset. Um, but uh, the thing about Equinemius St. Brown is that you know we we touched on last year when we were talking about Amon Ra is that you know their pops is a world class bodybuilder, and so the things that they that 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 man instilled in his kid was strength work ethic, uh, you know, just going balls out and, you know, and, uh, you know, going your hardest. And that, that's really what you get from that entire family. That's what you get with Equinamius. And, uh, you know, the thing about it is, is that, you know, we needed length, we needed size, we needed speed. He, he tackles all three of those with one stone. Um, you know, he didn't exactly emerge as uh, the, the type of dude that we all thought he might have emerged as in Green Bay. He was a highly recruited kid in high school, like a four-star kid in high school. And like I said, had a nice career at Notre Dame. Could have potentially like just absolutely exploded at Green Bay. Didn't. Hopefully he can do some things here. At worst, he's going to be a really nice possession receiver that could be a deep threat and a red zone target, you know, things like that. So um, pretty excited to have him. Not going to lie to you. Uh, Byron Pringle, um, you know, he, he's a guy that has great catch radius, you know, given his size. He has good speed off the line. I really like, uh, you know, his toughness in the middle of the field. Uh, you know, in, in terms of guys that are average-sized wide receivers, they can make the tough catch. He, he's he's that type of dude. Um, I, I think you're playing the same highlight that I watched just a minute ago here, uh, although where he, he he makes a tough catch and a t- tough catch in, co- in uh, coverage, gets mm-hmm. absolutely hammered, hangs on to the ball. You need guys like that too, man. You know, you, you, need, you need tough receivers that have strong hands. That have well built, well built, uh, your core that can that can withstand uh, a hit here or there. Um, like this kid coming out of Kansas City. I think Marchian Greco posted earlier. He's a poor man's Tyreek Hill. Absolutely no, not. He's not. He's not. not no the way. Guy. Oh my God. Marchian Greco was, posted was earlier. Greco, was, he, was he drinking tonight? I'm not sure. Hill. This is like, nowhere near Tyreek Hill. Hill. He's retired, so maybe that explains it. 
anyways, <laughs> yeah. he's, he's not Tyree Kill. Type of receiver, he's yeah. not even close. Yeah, but you know, he, he's a guy that you like to have uh, in, in terms of uh, catch radius, strong hands, mm-hmm. toughness. Uh, he's going to find his ways to get open. Uh, like Danny said earlier, he had a breakout year last year with the Kansas City Chiefs. Let's keep that shit going, man. We're, we're signing a lot of guys right now that the year before they, they get to Chicago are having breakout years. And, you know, Poles is doing a good job of finding guys that are, that are pretty much in the pinnacle of their careers, bringing them in, not spending a, a absolute F ton of money doing it, by the way, and uh, getting difference makers, hopefully. And Pringle, just to recap real quick, last year he had 42 that, that, receptions, that, that's the shot. That's the shot right there. 68 yards uh, for 13 and a half, you know, average per catch and then five touchdowns. So, you know, there, there are a lot of times, you you know, he makes plays like that, plays like that. You saw crunch time, you know, he, you know, um, you know Mahomes uh, had faith in him to go and go to him in, in a last second kind of, you know, throw it in the, in the back of the end zone. That was a game I, I forgot who the opponent was, but, you know, the, the kid really kind of developed there in that system. And again, Ryan Poles knows him, familiar with him probably help draft him, you know, to, to the, to the chiefs. So I think that that guy right now is probably a number three receiver. I'm thinking, right. Cause I'm thinking that whoever they bring in the draft, it's, it's still going to be, you know, maybe they go again, get another guy from the free agency. Who knows? I still think there, there's a big fish out there. They're waiting for. I'm all, I'm hoping I'm praying it's Teron Teron Armstead from the, uh, from the saints, but we'll, we'll see. I've got that. If you bring that guy in, you, you kind of bring a left tackle and you just solidify left tackle uh, for, for years to come, just as long as you keep him healthy. But um, I'm still hoping that, that, that there, there's going to be a big fish out there that, that, um, you know, Ryan Poles is a way to go ahead and, and just kind of reel in here, uh, hopefully the next couple of days or so. Uh, Danny, your uh, Wi-Fi signal is a little choppy, so why don't you jump out and come right back in, and then we'll call uh, Vinny. Uh, how do you pronounce Vinny's last name, uh, Danny, before you jump uh, out? Bonus, bonus, I can't have it here somewhere. and you should know. Yeah. Let's get yeah. a definite guy take a shot at it. Hang on a go second. Go ahead. I'll be back. I'll be right back. Bonsignore? Uh, <laughs> Bonsignori, yes, yes. Oh, That's what it looks God. like to me, at least. That's what it looks like to me. If I could Bonsignori. speak any other language than uh, English and Spanish, those are the two languages I speak. It's Italian that I want to speak. Uh, <laughs> oh, I love yeah, it. You got to make sure you use the, uh, the, the whole exactly. deal. Right? You got to do, do the thing. My wife, my wife is Italian. Like, cook me something to eat. Well, I know your wife's Italian. Like, she she has an Italian mouth on her. That's, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, my love, love it. My hey, hey, um, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's give uh, Vinny a call, and uh, hopefully he'll pick up, and then we'll talk to him about uh, Nicholas Morrow and all the other Bears Raiders news that's going on. We are live at the Barroom Network. Vinny Monsignori. Hey, Vinny, it's Aldo Gandia with the Barroom Network, along with Danny Shimon and Neil Stopchinski. How are you? I'm good, buddy. How are you guys doing? We're doing fantastic. Vinny, we've got a lot uh, to talk about. I'm going to turn it over to Neil and and to Danny. Danny will start off the questioning, and, uh, and we'll get you out of here in about 15 minutes, okay? You got it, buddy. Thanks. Hey, what's up, Vinny, man? Thanks a lot for taking some time for us tonight. And, and I know it's a busy night for you. Uh, you know, I heard a, a big trade went down tonight. I'm not sure if you know this guy named Devontae Adams is coming to Las Vegas. But, uh, but, but I appreciate you taking some time for us tonight. Yeah, no problem, man. Yeah, so uh, we, we initially had you on because, we, you know, obviously with, with the Raiders and the Bears, it seems like there's always something going on here. And, and obviously uh, Nicholas Morrow is a linebacker that uh, the Bears went ahead and signed. Uh, and for agency to a one-year contract, and uh, we just kind of wanted to give uh, have, give our audience here a little background on on Nicholas and what type of player to expect here with with the Bears. 
uh, going forward next year. So if you can give us some, some background on Nicholas, I know he, he missed a majority of last year with an injury. Um, you know, just kind of a, a brief little scouting report on, on, on what to expect from Nicholas Morrow. Okay, absolutely. Whenever you're ready, bud. You want to? Yeah. Okay, uh, you want to just go ahead and maybe ask me some questions? It's probably a little easier doing it that way. Sure. Yeah. So right now, right now they're thinking about playing him at middle linebacker. Maybe they're talking about some outside linebacker, maybe weak side. Uh, I believe he was a middle linebacker with with the Raiders. Uh, and, and from what all I've seen on tape is he's just a you know fast, instinctive linebacker. You know, one of those athletic types that that the uh, you know the new Bears uh, uh, head coach Matt Eberflus likes. Fast, quick, instinctive. So is that kind of what what you've you've seen uh, in this time with the Raiders? Yeah, and uh, Nicholas is a great guy, too. Um, he was really coming on two years ago in 2020. He uh, kind of emerged as their best linebacker uh, that season, uh, was a real favorite of John Gruden. Uh, you know, here's a kid that went to Greenville College there in Illinois. So uh, he knows that uh, that state and that area um, and was, was somebody that the Raiders were uh, really happy with in terms of the progress. And um, – it was a big loss when they lost him last year. I remember I literally saw him get hurt. It was against the Rams uh, in a joint practice in Thousand Oaks, California. And all of a sudden, you know, he goes down. And uh, I don't think anyone at that point expected it to be a season-long injury. But it turned out to be. And it was a big loss for the Raiders. Uh, this is a guy that is a, a good athlete, really smart, um, can defend the pass in terms of pass coverage. Uh, adequately um, he's also somebody that can you know kind of play sideline to sideline uh, he's versatile he can play all the various linebacker positions so I think the Bears uh, did well uh, you know by, by signing him and, and hopefully for Nicholas he's passed the injury and ready to kind of get back on that path that he was on um, you know prior to the injury. Vinny, what so what are Nicholas's top strengths? What what are the things that he does really well, and what are maybe a, a thing or two that he can work on? Well, I think he's you know number one, he's versatile. Uh, he can play a bunch of different positions, uh, and I think that um, as as somebody that was starting to really emerge, whether he was uh, a guy that you you, you, you put on the quarterback, um, he had some sacks uh, in twenty twenty for the Bears. Um, he was a really good tackler. Um, was able to play sideline to sideline, uh, was showing that he could be a three-down linebacker. Uh, this was a couple of years ago, obviously, and on a kind of a bad Raider defense. So, um, you know, he got an opportunity because the defense just wasn't playing that well, and, and he really seized it and ran with it uh, and started putting some really good stuff on tape, both as a uh, pass defender in coverage and as a run uh, stopper. I think, you know, there's really the, the weaknesses are just, kind of inexperienced he hasn't played a whole lot you know but the thing is when he gets out there he definitely produces and I think he was on his way I think the key is now uh, can he get back to where he was and and then continue to build on that yeah Vinny like you talked about the inexperienced thing uh you know I, I, something I touched on when I was uh reviewing uh you know Nicholas Morrow on on Twitter the other day was that uh you know he plays strong safety at uh, Greenville College. And I remember this kid, when I was at Mississippi State, I spent eight years there. You know, he was at Huntsville, Alabama at the time. I remember him coming out of Huntsville, Alabama. Um, wasn't a massive recruit, obviously, because he went to a D3 school in Illinois, right outside of St. Louis, uh, playing strong safety. I, I think in terms of his inexperience, a lot of it comes from the fact that he's never played the position before. But I think, you know, when, when, when this kid like, came into, 
what was then Oakland is now Vegas. What was the the if if you're privy to it, what was the uh, um, the, the plan for Nicholas? Was it to uh, move him into the linebacker's room immediately, or was it to bring him in, uh, see if he could play strong safety or something like that, and then you'll see what happens from there. Yeah, no, I think the plan was always for him to play linebacker. Uh, he definitely had the size, uh, and then he coupled that with the athletic ability coming from safety, the uh, foot speed, and the athletic ability coming from safety. Um, no doubt, you know, he was a project. Um, you know, and, and the Raiders understood that, but they felt like there were some development skills uh, that were that that were uh, readily evident, and it was just going to take some time because you're talking about a guy that was coming from a lower level of football. Uh, but you know, he he, he came up through special teams uh, when he did get his chance to get on the field. Slowly but surely, he kept building off of performances uh, and just developing. It's it's kind of a classic case of that. You know, you, you hope that you're getting something uh, with a project like that. But you also understand that it's going to come down to, you know, is he willing to put the work in? Is he going to get it? Uh, are what we think we're seeing going to come to fruition? And that, that was what was so exciting for the Raiders and for Nicholas and John Gruden in particular, who kind of, you know, really took him under his wing, was that he was seeing the uh, work pay off, you know, and he, had, he really worked his way into a position of being a viable starting linebacker in the NFL. Uh, and then they had big hopes for him and big plans for him coming into last year. But then, you know, the injury uh, hit him. And, and unfortunately, it, it knocked a full year, uh, you know, uh, knocked him off, off track by a full year. But, uh, you know, if he's healthy, he should get right back to that. And, uh, and, and the Bears can get a player that's, you know, an ascending player and there's still room to grow. Right. And, and I mean, we, we all know that's tough. Like whenever you lose a year of development, uh, you know, a, a lot of players have, have lost arguably two years worth of development given all, all the COVID stuff. So that, that's that's even made like twice as hard for a kid like that who's just learning how to play the position at a equally high level. Um, I, I think just looking into uh, just taking a brief look into his profile, you know, what I've been able to gather is that he is a kid of work ethic. He is a kid of character. He had a lot of leadership down there at Greenville, you know, coming out and you know, the other thing was, is that he's the only All-America in the history of that program, or at least at the time he was. So that, that that's, a, that's a pretty incredible thing. I think, you know, the, the, the thing that I'm interested in is that in terms of making an impact, if there if there's one thing that sticks out to you in terms of, of a kid coming into um, c- coming into a new environment, playing a new position, learning things for the first time, what sticks out to you in terms of like how Nick has has sort of you know, like, you know, cemented himself? through the, the, what was it, three or four years that, that he's been with the Raiders, what, what sticks out to you the most? Well, I think the one thing that uh, is, is really going to help him is that he knows what level he was playing at. You know, he got there, and that helps your confidence and it helps your belief in yourself. Um, so I think that he understands he belongs. He understands what his strengths are, um, you know, which is being a great athlete. At linebacker, uh, as we were mentioning, you know, able to uh, to be an effective uh, player when it comes to uh, defending running backs or tight ends um, in in pass coverage, but also being able to dissect, uh, you know, in the run game and and, and go make plays uh, as a run defender. He was really flashing as an all around linebacker. To be honest with you, he was also pretty decent, you know, on the pass rush. So he was kind of putting it all together. Uh, to say one strength over the other, um, you know, for, from 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 my vantage point, 
he was improving in all areas and becoming kind of an all-around uh, linebacker. And so, um, you know, uh, again, that was that was really pleasing for a guy like uh, John Gruden, who just looks because. Um, put it together uh, on, on the NFL level. And again, I think that was a confidence booster for, for Nicholas because uh, he showed that he belonged. And I don't think it's going to take him very long to kind of pick up where he left off uh, and again, continue to grow. Hey, Vinny, I switch in from a uh, different type of players here, guys going from Chicago to, to Las Vegas, and that's Bilal Nichols. Uh, you know, was a starter here for the last three years. Uh, comes in, uh, going to be probably, I'm assuming, a five technique in, in Patrick Graham's defense. I'm not sure if you guys had a chance to meet Bilal yet, uh, another great kid. Uh, what are your thoughts in terms of, uh, or have they even expressed yet, how are they going to plan on using Bilal? I'm assuming he's going to be a starter for the Raiders? Uh Definitely he's going to compete for a starting job. Um, when you look at that uh, interior defensive line room, um, you know, uh, they only had two guys on count on, on uh, you know, under contract going into this week and not one of them played a down for the Raiders. So they obviously needed help in the interior of the defensive line. And so he's going to get a great opportunity uh, to be a main cog. And as he said today, uh, you know, uh, good fortune being able to play alongside Khalil Mack um, and some of the pass rushers that they had there in Chicago. And now he comes to Las Vegas and you got Max Crosby on one side and a guy by the name of Chandler Jones on, on the other. So, uh, you know, it's good to be uh, uh, fortunate sometimes because that's only going to help his job and his style of play and what he does and what he brings to the table is obviously going to uh, help them as well. So he comes into a really good situation along this defensive line uh, from an opportunity standpoint. And then also the guys that are around him and the level of play, uh, uh, a level of talent that uh, that he's surrounded in, uh, that makes life easier for both both uh, he and uh, the the guys that he's joining. Yeah, he's he's another good kid. I think you guys are enjoy him out there in, in, in Vegas. So, uh, but Vinny, before we let you go, we got to ask you, man, about about this big big trade that just went down about an hour ago with with the Raiders going ahead and and, and getting Devontae Adams, reuniting the Fresno State connection with with Derek Carr and 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 Devontae. Uh, a bit of a shocker there, especially with with uh, you know Aaron Rodgers re-upping with with Green Bay. The assumption was Devontae's going to be there for at least another season. Um, uh, how's how's the reaction there in Vegas in terms of the the big trade? Well, um, Raider Nation is going bananas right now. I just finished hosting my radio show uh, on Raider Nation Radio, and they're going nuts uh, without question. Um, I, I had to laugh because uh, I was talking to Derek just a couple of weeks ago, um, and you know we were talking about the contract and the contract extension, which now is pretty imminent uh, when you think about it. Uh, Devontae Adams came here to play with Derek Carr. They're going to lock him up here pretty soon on a new deal. But he was talking about, um, you know, uh, you know the, the – the blessings in his life, you know, being able uh, and fortunate enough to make the kind of money that he makes. And he's like, you know, being able to help the less fortunate, he goes into other countries and helps build schools and churches and uh, feeds kids and things like that and families. Uh, so he, he definitely uses his money the right way and to help others. And he's like, you know, and that's going to be part of, you know, uh, when you, when I'm thinking about a new contract, that's kind of part of the equation, you know, how I can use uh you know, my blessings to help others. And he's, then he paused. And he's like, but you know, he goes, there's some guys out there in the NFL that I really want to play with. And that's going to come into the equation as well. So it was basically saying, you know, yes, I, you know, I want what I'm worth and I'm happy to get it to be able to not only help my family, obviously, but others that need it. But 
you know, there's some guys out there that I want to play with. And I knew he was talking about, he was talking about Devontae Adams and the implication being he's not going to ask for the, the world and the moon and the sun and all the planets because he understands that um, what he makes also affects how the Raiders can go out and, and get help around him. So he was, he was already thinking about it. I could tell. Uh, uh, and in fact, I wrote about it and I brought up Devontae's name because they've made no bones about the fact that they wanted to play together at some point. So uh, he, he definitely, and so did Devontae, uh, spoke this into uh, existence and it, and it came to fruition today. And I got to give the Packers a lot of credit too. They could have played hardball in this situation. They could have kept him on the salary, on the uh, franchise tag this year and, you know, call the bluff. If he, if he was threatening not to play, they could have franchise tagged him next year too. Uh, they had him under control and had all the control uh, for, for the next two years at least. Um, and and that's why I thought that this was a, a pipe dream, that it wasn't going to happen once he was franchise tagged. But I give the Packers a lot of credit because it looks like Devontae said to him, because they were willing to pay him exactly what the Raiders paid him. But he said to them, look, I, I, I want to go someplace else. And they did him a solid. They could have played hardball. Uh, but they didn't, and uh, and 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 they 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 said, okay, you know, we'll make it happen. And to me, things like that, and I know we're on a Bears show and all that, um, but organizations that do that, um, that that you know, see it and say, you know what, we're not going to stand in your way uh, anymore. We're going to let you, you know, uh, you know, go go do what you want. That that resonates with players, and it was a good move. It was a it was a, 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 a an organizational good organizational move by the Packers to let him go where he wanted to go. And I don't think that'll be forgotten. Vinny, uh, last question before we get you out of here. Uh, I understand that uh, Tony Moy, in fact, in the chat room told me that the Chicago Bears are about to uh, close a deal or may have already closed the deal to uh, have the same architectural firm that did the Raiders stadium uh, work on the Arlington Park project here in Chicago, the new stadium. If that goes through, there's still a lot of hurdles to jump. What can you tell us about uh, that stadium in Las Vegas and what Bears fans can anticipate if they take the same approach? Yeah, uh, this is a great stadium, uh, Allegiant Stadium. It's funny because I I, I worked in Los Angeles when the Raiders were trying to get back to L.A. and the Rams and obviously the Chargers. Um, And I'll never forget, you know, uh, the night in Houston in 2016, January of 2016, when the vote finally happened and, you know, the Rams were awarded uh, L.A. and the Chargers were given the, the, the second option to join them. And the Raiders were essentially in, in third place in that situation. And so they had to figure something out because it wasn't working out in, in Oakland. And uh, lo and behold, about a month later, all of a sudden, you know, they're they're pursuing Las Vegas, uh, which made a whole lot of sense. But long story short, um, in retrospect, that happening in, in Houston that night was probably the best thing for the Raiders, uh, because when you go by the Raiders stadium, there's no question whose stadium that is. When you look at it, it's all Raidered out. Uh, it, 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 it personifies them. And, and I think the architects just did a fantastic job of capturing the Raiders spirit. Um, you know, the, the Raiders heritage, there's no question whose stadium that is. And I would imagine, uh, if given the opportunity now, uh, in Arlington Heights to do the same thing for the bears, uh, working with the Bears people and, and trying to get their vision and what they're really striving for uh, and then be able to, to make that come to life. Uh, if, if they handle it the way they handled Allegiant Stadium, uh, it's going to be a great, uh, a great uh, place for the Bears, for their fans, 
and uh, and I'm sure it's something that uh, that the whole community can be proud of. Vinny, man, we appreciate you jumping on. Thank you so much for for giving us some time and and sharing some light on on Nicholas Morrow, uh, the the big trade there, and and how the Raiders are going to go ahead and implement Bilal Nichols. Why don't you go ahead and and, and uh, give our listeners uh you know your your Twitter handle and, and and any sort of information in terms of how they can they can read your writing and and follow you on social media. Yeah, for sure. Uh, at Vinny Monsignor on Twitter. Um, and then uh, also, is it at Vinny Monsignor or at Vinny? I always forget. But uh, I think it's, yeah, I think it's at Vinny Monsignor um, on Twitter. Yes, it is. Uh, you could, okay, great. <laughs> and then um, you can, uh, you can, you can read my stories. Just download the app if you're a Raider fan. Uh, uh, Vegas Nation is the app for Raider coverage over at the La- uh, Las Vegas Review Journal and uh, also host a show. 4 to 6 p.m. locally, so uh, you know Pacific Coast time, uh, 4 to 6 on Raider Nation Radio, and you can you can listen to it uh, on the Raider site, Raiders.com, uh, and listen to it live. So uh, so you can hear me and read me and all those good things, and uh, uh, welcome to any support that you guys can give me. Sounds great, Vinny. Thanks very much for uh, hanging out with us a little while. You got Thanks. it. Have a good one, you guys. Thanks, Thanks Brad. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Outstanding, good yeah. catch. Vinny, Vinny knows the Raiders uh, very, very uh, well. Obviously, for the covers them for the Las Vegas Review Journal. And uh, guys, if, if you're a Raiders fan out there, you want you want to follow what's going on with Bilal Nichols and some of the other you know former Bears. Uh, one thing I forgot to ask him is uh, Khalil Mack is back in that division now. Now he's going to be playing the Raiders twice a year with with the Chargers. So I wonder how long that that was going to you know be like out there. But uh, anyway, great, great information there. Very knowledgeable source. Um, just told you right now in terms of. In terms of that Adams trade, I you know, some, I think uh, Rob Domofsky does a great job covering the Packers for ESPN. Said that um, you know um, Aaron Rodgers knew about this, uh, about that this is going to happen. So, so if Aaron Rodgers, I don't know if he knew about it prior to resigning or if he found out like after he signed. But I, I'm I'm curious in terms of how why Aaron how Aaron Rodgers was able to to do this. Now, now if Aaron Rodgers knew Adams. Can I interrupt? Because this is what happened. Hey, uh, you know, we can give you this $50 million a year for the next three years, but there's no way we can bring Devontae back and Rogers. Okay. That's what happened. I was just going to say, I'm like, I'm like, unless Aaron Rodgers was, was a selfish bastard and said, you know, what? I want all the money. I don't give a shit about, uh, you know, that, you know, that could, that could very well be the case. Cause I was shocked that he, that they, they traded him after they signed Aaron Rodgers, but trust me. And so what this means, this is going to go down in Aaron Rodgers legacy as he really doesn't want to win as badly as other quarterbacks. You think Tom Brady would have allowed that to happen? No. No, Tom Brady took discounts. Restructure his contract. Yeah. He took oh, discounts yeah. for oh, Edelman and for Amendola and, 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 and God knows who other players, but yeah, I mean, it always, Brady always kept, you know, he could always maxed up, but no, he always want, you know, he kept some of that. I mean, he still made twenty million a year. It's not like he's making peanuts, but he, he could have made more. And and but he kept kept some of that, you know, space yeah. for the Patriots who would get other players. So he's doing it with the Bucks now, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. The thing is, he he gets it though because he's making all this other money elsewhere with his endorsements and his sponsorships and everything. And else. his wife. He's got all these other like sources of income coming in. <laughs> he, he and, and his wife. Yeah. He doesn't need he doesn't need the NFL to pay him anything. He can play for free if he wants to. Yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, uh, let's get back on track here, talking about some of the free agents before we start uh, with your draft uh, evaluations. Yeah. The very first player the Chicago Bears signed, Ryan Poe signed, uh, immediately went out and got that three tech defensive tackle, 
Larry Ogunjobi. I think this was a great get for the Chicago Bears. They didn't want to wait. There aren't a lot of three techs who can play this kind of disruptive style that the Bears need. They went after him right away. Some fans are saying that they overpaid. I don't agree with that. The uh, salary cap is going to go up at minimum of $15 million last year. On average, it goes up $10 million, but because of the big TV contract that's going to kick in, it's going to be $15 million, and that's why you're seeing some salaries inflated right now, and then next year it's going to be even bigger. And so we're going to look back if Larry Ogunjobi is as successful as I think all of us think he will be, He it's going to be a deal uh, for the Chicago Bears. Uh, Danny, I'll start with you. Your thoughts on uh, Larry Ogunjobi. Yeah, we've been saying it, guys. We've been saying it for the last couple of weeks that that this team defensively needs a three technique. It's 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 preemptive. It's a must. You cannot run this defense without a disruptive, quick twitch three technique. And the the thing about Ogunjobi is at 6'3", 305, You know, not only does he have that quickness, but he's got he's violent. I mean, he's physical. You see some of these highlights. I mean, there was, there was a play against the Bears week two where he just almost decapitated. Um, uh, our running back out of the, out of the backfield. I mean, this this kid is is violent, and that's what I love about him. Uh, you know, when coming out out of uh, UNC Charlotte, I mean, at the combine, he ran a four nine seven forty uh, at a one point six four ten yard split. And I kept telling you guys last week when I was going over these defensive linemen, it's that ten yard split is more important than than that forty yard you know time there. And 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 you know, just to kind of give you an example in terms of where he's at, you know, Aaron Donald was a one six three. 10 yard split when he, when he came out of the combine. So this guy's a one, six, four at 305 pounds, 32 inch vertical, you know, three, almost 33 inch arms, big, big hands. This kid is, is like I said, violent, vicious at the point of attack. And he's got that twitch to be able to line up at that three technique and, and penetrate, get up into that gap and make plays in the backfield. So this was one heck of a, uh, a pickup. I didn't think that he was going to, you know, they're going to go after him because I, I thought they're going to go after more of the, you know, the lesser known, you know, uh, kind of like what they're doing with the, with the receivers now. But yeah, but this was a prime guy that they needed and they went ahead and got because I like we were talking, we've been talking, you know, I've been saying like the three technique is important and there aren't many in this draft. There's some you can kind of project and, and if you work with them and, and you can see them here and there. But um, this was it was a big piece, a big get. And guys, uh, just talking right now to Vinny about about Nick Morrow. That's that's a that's a rare you know that's a pretty good review he gave us there in terms of Rick, uh, Nick Morrow. So you know if you move him into middle linebacker, you know he's a guy he's got that athletic ability. He's instinctive, uh, can can go and drop to his to his landmark and then just you know plant his uh, cleats on the ground and come forward and, and come with force. So I think that now you can uh, they can move. Um, uh, uh, Roquan Smith out to weak side linebacker and let him kind of roam. So you got now two potential sideline and sideline linebackers. I think the I think the Bears did them very well in the first first couple of days of the, of the free agency here. I mean, Your with thoughts, uh, yeah, with, with Larry Ogunjobi, I think you you know you you said the word, Danny. It was violent. You know, if there was a word that you can attach to Larry Ogunjobi is violence. And that, that's the thing that, you know, both you and I love when we talk about our guys in the trenches is, is guys that are violent, guys that hit hard, guys that have mean streak, guys that, that are nasty. Um, you know, he he's going to be 28. You know, he's coming off a of foot surgery. You know, he he sustained the injury in the, in, uh, in the, in the uh, first game of the playoffs. And, uh, you know, he's going to be fine. It wasn't – it's not like it's a catastrophic type of deal. Put together a career best year last year uh, with seven sacks. 12 TFLs, uh, 16 quarterback hits, 49 combined tackles in, uh, in, in 16 starts. 
And, you know, the, the thing that I love the most is that, like, you know, I, I, I put on, on uh, I, I posted uh, earlier this week, America loves stories, right? We all love stories. We always love to, like, have, like, a feel-good, you know, thing to, to talk about our guys, right? Olumide Ogunjobi was, you know, the son of Nigerian immigrants. He's His nickname, Larry, son of Nigerian immigrants. Didn't play a down of football until his sophomore year in high school, right? Um, he uh, had an un- unbelievable career in, in terms of being like kind of like an undersized, underdeveloped, you know, sort of kid. Uh, UNC Charlotte, that was the, 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 uh, the signing year of 2017, or the signing year of 20, uh, was it 13, I think? I think the signing year of 2013, UNC Charlotte was, you know, just starting up their football program, you know, basketball school for years, just starting the football program. He signs with them plays every snap of that college college football program's life up until he leaves and goes to the NFL draft, you know, ha- has a, you know, all everything, you know, sort of career gets drafted by the round by the Browns in the third round. Like you talk about, you know, coming of age, like type of stories, like this kid kind of has it. And then he, you know, comes up, even develops further through the NFL has that type of career. They has last year has a type of clips that we just saw on, on, uh, on, uh, you know, the, the screen just now. Um, just effectively ripping guys' heads off. You love the way his kid plays. Like I said, violent is is, is a key term here. Um, that, that's what we're looking for. Um, three technique, critical position. We probably don't need to address that in the draft now. We probably will just to have a young guy that we can develop and have some depth. But yeah. it's not like something we need to go ahead and, and you know go balls out in, in uh, day two anymore. We can probably find a, a really good guy that's developmental you know, on day three with one of those three picks we have in day three. Uh, we can address offensive line on day two now, like like we were originally hoping to, and then wide receiver and DB as well. So, I mean, great hire, great, great, great sign right there. I should say, great sign. Yeah, because right, right now you still need depth, right? You still need at least a fourth guy. Right now you have Angelo Blackson, who I'm assuming is going to be taking over for Eddie Goldman's spot, and I think you have you know, obviously Ogan Joby next to him, and then you got Mario Edwards, I believe, is going to be a backup three technique, and then you know a couple of guys that I highlighted last week, and and, and Travis Jones from UConn would be a nice fit here. And then Logan Hall, Logan Hall from from University of Houston. Again, not the perfect body fit, six six, long body, but he got a 1.68 10 yard split. Again, a guy that can penetrate, get into the backfield. You know, any one of those two guys mixed in in the, in the mix here would really, really solidify that 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 front there. So, and for and for any you know Bears fans can remember back to the Lovey Smith days. Think Tommy Harris, guys. Think Tommy Harris in the middle of that defense, that three technique, his ability to get off that 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 snap, get into the you know when Tommy Harris was healthy, right? Get back into that backfield, cause havoc. But just a meaner, nastier uh, overall, you know, uh, 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 personality here with with Ogan Joby. That's the kind of kid that I see here uh, in in this in this in this defense right now. We're having uh, some problems with our live feed on YouTube, but we should be back uh, soon, and we'll continue to re- record to our other channels and also have this on demand. It should be all be on tack. In fact, Ravi is letting me know that we are back, so that is great. Um, we for those of, yes, Neil. you may want to go ahead and give AC a call. Yeah, you, uh, Kentucky just lost. We may we might need to talk to the <laughs> That's right. Stephen Nagishi in the chat room saying, wow, Kentucky is about to lose. And that's the first person I thought of was Aaron Kern. My, my poor I, I need to get him on the show to make sure he's okay. 
know, make, make sure he's not losing you, his mind right now. We might need guys, to I haven't watched a lick of basketball. I haven't watched a lick of basketball. I've, I've been all NFL draft and free agency and all that stuff. I don't have I have time to watch basketball right now. This is my favorite sports weekend of the year. Come on. Yeah, it's, you got to at least fun. have. Especially you know, when you're in Vegas during this. But I, I, I'm with Danny. I haven't had a chance to, to do anything because we've been so busy. And I'll tell you one thing. I'm glad I didn't fill out a bracket because I was watching all the ESPN shows as I was uh, working and a lot of people had Kentucky in the final four. So I would have, if I would have filled out a bracket, I would have been, I would have done as I was told, but Kentucky in the final four. St. Peter's just came out of nowhere. I mean, they, they, they had no business being in this tournament to begin with. They just came out of nowhere and beat the number two seed, arguably the one of the favorites to win the national title. Mm. That that's that, that that's incredible. That, that's one of the best upsets of all time, right there, guys. That is amazing. That is amazing. Okay, let's uh, take a look at the list, and this could change any second. And it probably I've missed something, but here are the new bears that have been signed during free agency: Larry Ogunjobi, who we just talked about, the defensive tackle. As Danny and Neil said, this guy is a disruptor. This was a high priority need, and so he is now a member of the Chicago Bears. We talked at length with Vinny Bonsignori about Nicholas Morrow. A guy that we haven't talked much about is Lucas Patrick. And when I saw Neil Stopchinsky's tweet about uh, Lucas Patrick, I said to myself, I think, I think Neil likes this guy. Neil, why don't you uh, give us your analysis on Patrick, the, a former Packers offensive uh, guard and center. He, he plays both positions. Listen, man, I, I love mean, nasty dudes. Like, like we just talked about with Larry Gonjobi. I like mean, nasty dudes. Uh, you know, the one clip that's been circulating around Twitter the past couple of days is when, you know, he, uh, he, he gets off, you know, he's, you know, off the snap, uh, gets the inside uh, hand in, into the, the, the chip, moves on to the second level, walls off and allows a, a massive explosion play to happen. He's able to uh, move his feet. He's able to use his hands. He's able to, uh, you know, navigate traffic, work at the second level. Um, and in that one particular clip, we're not watching it now. It was against the Minnesota Vikings, the one that I was just referencing. But you know, the thing about him is, is that he has no, uh, you know, concern for the man's welfare across the line of scrimmage for him from him. And that's a lot of fun for all of us to watch. You know, the uh, I think it was a linebacker that he just took in that Minnesota game and just like threw him into the dirt. And you know, you love that stuff. Um, let's see, you, you know, you know, choppy feet, gets the inside hand, chip. Come back, look for more work, throw the guy to the ground, finish. We didn't have a whole lot of guys last year, man. And it, it drove me nuts the past three years. We didn't have anybody on this roster that went out of their way to make somebody feel pain. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, it's it, it's infuriating. Thinking about where we came from, from the, the Olin Cruz days, where you had a guy that the only thing he wanted to, to do was make guys feel pain. You know, we, we had nobody on the, on the roster last year that was, you know, that, that went out of their ways to, you know, you know, put guys in the dirt. And then, and that's the thing that you love. I, I think this might be the play right here. So he, he, he chips yeah. the guy on the inside, inside hand, you know, stalls him out, moves to the second level, gets this linebacker, walls off the inside. Unfortunately, I, I, I didn't, uh, <laughs> I ran out of time. All, all this was right, right, right from there. Tailback makes a cutback inside and go, goes for, you know, massive and, you know, that, that, that's the type of stuff that you love from, from your, from your inside off offensive linemen, guys mm -hmm. that have feet, they have quickness, they have lateral movement, they have, you know, upper body and core strength, the inside, the, the strength of the inside hand, the wall off the fence, you know, the, the, the whole deal, you know, 
you know, now, I mean, it, it's not like this guy is just an absolute, you know, massive beast of a human being. Like right. he, he does go ahead and, and he's get, get pushed back on plays. He, he, he is vulnerable at, at times. Um, you know, he's not a guy that can sit down that, that can like anchor and just like manhandle guys. Uh, he's not Ed Ingram, if you will. Uh, I've talked very highly about that guy, how he's able to just go ahead and manhandle guys. Zion Johnson, the same way he gets his hands on you. He can, he can, he can move you this way and that, um, but you know he he's a guy that once he gets leverage he get he gets the inside hands he can go ahead and control his face, and it it sounds like you know he's a type of dude that instills leadership and work ethic and all the right types of things that Ryan Poles talks about in all of his press conferences where he says about he wants to set the tone with the right kind of guys in the locker room to move forward and not have to worry about you know ha- having to deal with uh, you know different mindsets of guys he wants to have the same types of guys in the locker room they're about the same types of things culture. And he wants to build it from the onset. And this is the type of guy that will put that in the locker room. Yeah. And Marty in the, in the chat just asked the question, will he play center? Yes, I, I believe he will yeah, play center. 100%. I think he'll be, he'll be your starting center. I think Mustafa was just brought in to be a, to be a serviceable backup. And then one thing about, about Patrick is, is, you know, we, we just saw him in those clips, you know, they're playing that, that wide zone stretch, right? And we're, that's where I've talked about the offensive linemen got to be able to be mobile. They got to be able to get to that next level. Uh, that's that, that second level run fit that linebacker and seal them off. Like we showed you in some of those plays. And the, and the bonus with this kid is is uh, he he has some, some nasty in him. He's you know he's got some some mean streak in him, and and um, I think he's a smart kid. Came out of Duke, uh, mm-hmm. versatile, can play right guard, left guard, and center. So you like that versatility. Uh, you know, modest pickup. You know, not a huge guy. He, he's a serviceable offensive lineman. I just think that's how they're going to plug him in in center. I think you know the the, the depth in center in terms of the draft is it's kind of limited. There's a couple of you know big game guys, and the other guys are just kind of like crapshoots there. I think guard, the interior position is where they're probably going to go ahead and address it in the draft as well. Um, I think was, I don't know if it was pre-show or right before the show started, I said, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping, uh, so I'm, I'm praying that that they have one big ticket left in them, and that's left tackle. And if they go and get, say, a Teron Armstead or even go to a lesser degree, a Dwayne Brown. Uh, Dwayne Brown is more of a stopgap than, than a Teron Armstead. But you get a Brown in there, kind of solidify left tackle. you got this kid at center. Yeah, you assume you have white hair at guard, a left guard. Now you could pick pick a guy in the draft to come in and compete with Borum and Jenkins, or however you want to do it at, at, at right tackle and right guard. And now you have the, the makings of, of a solid, you know, foundation in terms of offensive line and go from there. So, um, yeah, the smart guy uh, plays multiple positions, and I think this guy will be uh, the, the starting center come come opening week. Aaron Current has joined us in the chat room, and he says, cover your ears, boys and girls. <laughs> fuck March Madness. I'm going to bed. <laughs> hey, it's a PG-13 program. You can say the word fuck. <laughs> Sorry, AC. Uh, I got good news for you. The guys are going to evaluate one of your Kentucky guys, uh, and we'll do that in just a moment. I want to get back to um, acquisitions on free agent. Uh, Equinemia St. Brown. We talked about Ryan Pringle. We've talked about Byron. You know, excuse me, uh, Byron. Yes. Um, and I, I was upset earlier when St. Brown was the wide receiver. I, I had not known that we had Pringle before the show started. And so I thought, yeah, today we lost Allen Robinson and picked up St. Brown. But uh, Pringle, I think, is a nice addition. The team still needs a number one wide receiver, and it's uh, highly unlikely they can sign one. So they'll have right. to find one in the draft. Uh, the returning Bears are Lachivius Simmons, Sam Mustafer, Jepper Horstead, Patrick Scales. Somebody in the chat room, Danny's asked if Jesper Horstead can play wide receiver. He played yeah, wide receiver at Princeton. Princeton. Yep. 
Yeah, but he's a bigger body receiver. Yes. You think he could play in the NFL, huh? Well, he's been he's been converted over to tight end the last couple of years, so he's got to have to probably drop a little weight. Uh, it depends. I mean, I like him as a flex tight end. I like him, you know, lining up in a slot again. You know, the the Packers use a, a multiple formations in terms of you know multiple tight ends and all that stuff. So I I could see them. Um, you know, uh, uh, using him at, at tight end, or maybe making him, you know, slim down and, and get a little bit bigger and be a, you know, be a, a red zone target here in, in the end zone. Though, so, uh, but he's a definitely a guy that whenever he was throwing the ball, made catches, made big catches, made contested catches. I just the the you know the thing. I, I know Aldo, you're you're up there. You're you're the the the, the fan club leader of Jesper Horstead. You know, trying to get this guy more more touches uh, and weekly basis, and we just never saw him. We just saw, you know, Jimmy Graham out there, you know, running around uh, and having fun on Sundays, but not catching the ball, not being targeted at all. We figured, hey, get get Horsett in there and see what he can do. But they, you know, the previous regime never never got him on the field. Now I'm I'm curious to see how they would use him here. Obviously, they brought him back because they liked him. They saw something on tape that that they figured that they could utilize him in the system. And I just really excited to see this all come together now. So. But again, just uh, I, I like the way they started so far in free agency, guys. They're attacking a defensive line, the offensive line. They, they brought in a couple of receivers here. Obviously, I think they're they're going to continue attacking the both both lines in the draft and and moving forward here in, in free agency. Uh, and, and although you're right, you know, their their number one receiver is either a on a different roster and will probably be here next year, or is, is probably someone that they're going to have to develop through the draft. There are uh, very intriguing names in that second, third round uh, for as wide receivers. There probably are not immediate uh, first round. I mean, excuse me, number one wide receivers. Like I'm thinking there haven't been many. Uh, Anquan Bolden was a second rounder who stepped oh, in and immediately made it. Brown. AJ Brown from the Titans was a second round pick that came on and was it was an immediate impact. There's a ton of guys okay. in the second round. You, you can get a receiver. And and actually, funny, I just said AJ Brown because the guy I'm gonna highlight for you guys today, a receiver, rem, reminds me of an AJ Brown of an Anquan Bolden. So we'll, we'll get to that later on today. But yeah, so you can you can get guys in the second round that could come in and be impact players. Darnell Mooney, yeah, he's not a number one, but he's an impact player in terms of as a rookie. He came in and made an impact, some nice contributions as a fifth round pick. So the these this draft is loaded receiver, guys. You're gonna get guys in the fourth round that are gonna they're gonna come in and make an impact. You know, I, I have a guy that for next week's show, I'm gonna I'm gonna highlight Sky Moore from Western Michigan. I think he's a day three guy, probably top of that fourth round. He's a guy that that more look more likely a slot receiver, but he's a guy that's coming. He's gonna make some 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 plays. He'll help you, you know, uh, in terms of on the offense and get some you know get some production there as well. So you're gonna find guys, you know, day uh, uh, one, two, and three of this draft where you're gonna get receivers to come in and make some make some plays for you. Yeah, definitely a more uh, in depth receiver draft than we had last year, and we thought last year was deep. Yeah, we were we were talking about guys on day two and day three last year that probably be day four, day five guys this year compared mm-hmm. to what we have is in terms of talent. So, I mean, it, it'll be easy to find a guy that, that fits what we need. A lot of people in the chat room are saying, Let, let's make a trade for DK uh, Metcalf of the Seahawks. Uh, Neil, what do you think about that? Uh, <laughs> I don't know about that now. Uh, do we have the capital to do that? <laughs> yeah, not only don't we have the capital to do it, but also he's got one year left on his contract. So you'd have to negotiate a big long-term contract before the deal. Um, I, I know the Seahawks are trying to uh, have are starting to blow things up and starting over, but I'm not sure that's that's the right move right now for the Chicago Bears. Danny is shaking his no. head. I, 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 you can keep DK Metcalf in, in Seattle. I know everyone gets gets uh, 
you know, um, um, you know, enthusiastic about his highlights and uh, the, the big plays. But this guy is, is a diva. Uh, you can see him uh, last year on, on on the sidelines, you know, blowing up and getting upset. And if you have Russell Wilson as your quarterback and you're still upset, you know, you know, I don't I don't want anyone here coming in thinking they're they're running the show at receiver and then they're going to take away from Justin Fields. This 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 offense is going to be built around Justin Fields and the running attack. This is going to be it's going to be a run heavy offense, and they're going to use Fields' strengths like accuracy downfield, his ability to get out of the pocket and use his legs to kind of contribute and then build him up and then get him there. I don't want a diva receiver coming in here and putting all pressure on, on Justin Fields. It's not that Fields would succumb to the pressure. I just don't want to deal with that. Plus, you got to give up draft capital. We were just raving last year last year by getting three picks in the top 79. I don't want to give you any of those, those away. There's a ton of talent. This draft is is all about depth uh, in, the, in the, you know second and third days. We just talked about it right now. I'm not giving away. You only have six picks. I'm not giving him any more picks. So, uh, what, about, what about Juju Smith-Schuster? I, I, if you want to bring him in on a one-year contract, that's fine. But if you don't get Juju Smith-Schuster, I'm, I'm okay with that as well, to be honest with you. The guy I really wanted to get was Russell Gage, and, and he ended up going to the Buccaneers to play with Tom Brady. But he got a, a, a you know pretty hefty contract, about $30 million. I forgot how much was guaranteed. For, for a guy that you know, you know, showed some promise last year, but he, again, only had two touchdowns. So you know, you got to kind of be – you know, again, when you're when you're signing guys in the first couple of days of free agency, you're always going to overpay, right? So, but that's the thing is, is I, I wanted to go ahead and bring in another receiver, probably a you know a veteran uh, that they can come in and, and just kind of you know be a, a guy on the roster, and then obviously attack it via the draft. Neil, you had a thought? That 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 last comment, all receivers are divas. Yeah, inherently yes, but we're talking about relative terms here. <laughs> if, if you're if you're saying a receiver is a diva in relative terms, he's really freaking bad now. Uh, and, and you know, DK Metcalf, it, it, he's an Instagram receiver. All right, like you know, he, he he's got the abs and the muscles and you know the earrings and the the hair color and everything else. I, I don't want that garbage in my locker room. Not sure Poles doesn't want that garbage in his locker room. I'm sure the McCaskey family doesn't want that garbage in their locker room. DK Metcalf in high school refused to take a pass over the middle because he didn't want the contact. That's a true story. Mm. I don't want guys that refuse to get hit, even as big as they are. <laughs> I'm out on DK Metcalf. I mean, as, as as like freakishly athletic as he is, as big as he is, and everything else, like you know, we could do better. You know, we we could well, do better. I I've been scrolling a list of Bears, uh, p- former Bears players who are now on the outs, and they include big names like Allen Robinson, Khalil Mack, Tariq Coleman, Eddie Goldman. Uh, James Daniels, uh, uh, several other players, all of them have been either uh, traded or uh, signed as free agents rather quickly, or still some of them, some of them are still free agents. But any names here uh, that you guys feel like, wow, we're we're gonna miss this guy? For me personally, I I, I was a big James Daniels fan, and uh, I, I I said multiple times I thought he was a guy still at 24 years old could have been resigned and. And, and, and popped in at center, his natural position. He was playing coming out of Iowa. Uh, but, you know, Neil touched on it earlier. Uh, you know, Ryan Poles wants a certain type of offensive lineman, and, and he, he he's actually stated it. Well, I don't know if it was it was at the combine or, or, or prior to the combine where he said he, he, he walked it, watched the tape and didn't like some of the the, the body – um, you know, motion or a reaction of, of, of some of the offensive linemen, especially when, when Justin Fields took some some late hits and he, he didn't see anyone rushing over there and, and defending him and, and picking them all off the ground. And, and and those are things that matter to some of these guys. And and, and Ryan Poles played the position, so he kind of knows what inherently he likes to see in his offensive linemen. And I just think that, that uh, it, although, you know, superior in terms of athletic ability to uh, Lucas Patrick, but I think, I think he just didn't have the, you know, the the, the fire and, and the, and the um, 
you know, the, the nastiness in him. And I think that's might, might have been a reason why, because his salary that he got from the Steelers wasn't outrageous. I think it was like 9 million a year. And then I think we were talking about, you know, over 10 million for him. So, so it wasn't like an outrageous uh, amount of money, but I just think he didn't, he didn't like the fact that, um, you know, he didn't have that, 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 you know, nastiness in him uh, in his play. And I think also that, that we talked about earlier, this, uh, this draft is deep in terms of interior offensive linemen. I think he could figure he could easily replace him inside and just bring in a veteran like, like Lucas Patrick to, to man the middle in terms of center there. But, and him, so for me, it would have been J James Daniels and Joaquin Grant. I think Grant uh, came in, did a nice job as a returner. He gave you that, that spark on special teams. I think uh, I was hoping they would they'd keep him and re-sign him. Uh, but, you know, obviously the Browns came in and, and swooped him up. So those are the two guys that they've, uh, in terms of the guys that they lost that I, that I feel like, you know, if we could have kept them, it would have been a nice, nice uh, get there. Somebody just asked about James Washington, the uh, uh, Pittsburgh Steelers free agent wide receiver. You guys have any interest in him? I thought he was going to be a player, uh, but he's disappointed. Uh, almost kind of reminds me in terms of disappointment uh, as uh, equanimous St. Brown. He's probably hungry, probably wants to excel. You think there's any value in, in kicking the tires on uh, Washington? I, I wasn't too big on him coming out of uh, out of Oklahoma State. Uh, he was he was a guy that that uh, you know really to me it was a one trick pony. He was a guy that just you know made some plays downfield, uh, either stretching the field vertically or, or going up and making plays on the ball. Um, it really hasn't done much in in terms of with Pittsburgh. I heard heard that the Cowboys were were eyeing him to uh, to go ahead and sign him and kind of kind of help replace some of the, the guys they lost. So we'll see how that happens there. But. Again, he's a, he's a veteran. Um, I, I'd rather bring someone in here that that has some some at least some part productivity um, at the NFL level. So I, I I don't have the free agent list here in front of me in terms of who's who's remaining at, at the receiver, but I know I, I'm assuming uh, Van Leskelling is going back to the Packers now uh, with with them trading away Devontae Adams. So I think he's going to be off the list. Pringle was a guy that I had, I had earmarked here, and that, that's a guy they got today. Gage, we talked about he's gone. Um, I'm trying to remember who who else uh, is out there in terms of free agent wise, but I, I think they get they get maybe one more free agent. Again, not a, not a huge you know huge mega deal here. Um, I, I'm just hoping they have that that money saved up for Teron Armstead or, or, or a Dwayne uh, Dwayne Brown at left tackle. So we'll we'll see what happens here going forward. I got to tell you, if they are you know saving their nickels and dimes to land that left tackle Armstead. Armistead is it? Armistead, right? Toronto Armstead. Yeah. If yeah. <laughs> they're saving money to sign him to a long-term contract to be uh, Fields' uh, blindside protection for the next several years, that would be a brilliant move by uh, Ryan Poles. To get his three-tech and to get his left tackle would be a huge, huge accomplishment. And after a few days of wondering if the Bears were going to do anything, if he can pull that off, all of a sudden, he's uh, he's getting an A uh, in my uh, grades. What do you think, Neil? Uh, if you get a guy that uh, can seal off the left side, hmm. and also a guy that has a, the, uh, the strength and nasty as, as a guy like uh, Teron Armstead, I'm all for it, 100%. Yeah. There's one more player out there on defense that, that I've got my eye on, and 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 this is something that Neil would, would probably like. Uh, I'm not sure if you like this player or not, but – it's a position that, that you've, you've been clamoring for, right? And and the, Ryan Poles has a history with this guy. That's Tyron Matthew. If Tyron Matthew, the honey badger, can bring Bart in here as, as a, at a safety uh, to pair up with Eddie Jackson, uh, we'll see how his, how his market I, – I haven't heard anything in terms of market heating up or who he's visiting or, or where he's going, but it's another guy to keep an eye on. You know, again, that connection with Kansas City, 
Uh, you know, Matthew feels a little disrespected. You know, Casey went ahead and got Justin Reed, a younger, a younger safety from the Texans. So we'll see what happens there with Tyron Matthew. But so, so I'm, I'm hoping that either uh, you know Tyron Armstead, which is my preference, or maybe a Tyron Matthew, a sneaky, sneaky signing there. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens there. But in terms of maybe he bringing him out on a one-year prove-it deal. I like, I like the honey badger now. I did it at first, but he, he, he definitely grew on me. He grew up a little bit, you know, it became a little bit more sure. Yeah. You know, it put, put all the, you know, the, the ridiculous stuff off to the side. I, I like, I, I like uh, the honey badger now. Talk about leadership. Oh, oh, Talk about a guy that's, that's a yeah. terrific open field Plays tackler. Ass off. Right. Yep. right. Plays yeah. his ass off. It eliminated the bullshit, kept all the, the, the playing your mm -hmm. ass off, the, the, the work ethic and everything else. The motor. Mm -hmm. I love that kid now. Um, getting back to that wide receiver position, just a couple more names I'd like your comments on. I think that the market is dropping a Marquez a Valdez Strandling. Strandling, thank you. I think the market is dropping on him. He might be one of those guys who could be found as a high-value one-year contract in that case, I wouldn't mind having him become a Chicago Bear. I don't have a lot of confidence that he's a good receiver, but if you can bring him in for somewhere between three to five million dollars, uh, or whatever uh, is is it would be considered a value, I I, I wouldn't mind uh, the Bears taking a chance on him. What do you guys think? Wouldn't you think that now he's more likely to go back to Green Bay with That's with Devontae Cliff Adams? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's I, I'm thinking he's I'm just assuming. I I, I could be totally wrong, but I, I just yeah. thought that once I heard Adams is gone, I figured. Van Lens Scanlon is probably going to go back to Green Bay and give Aaron Rodgers, you know, that that deep threat he's, he's looking for. Again, he's been inconsistent over over his career. Makes some big plays, like I said, a couple of years ago, averaged almost 18 yards a catch. I think last year was down to like 16 yards a catch. So, you know, his his problem has been always, you know, uh, you know some drops here and there, so untimely drops. But the guy makes big plays. Six four, big body, over 200 pounds, runs a four four forty. So it brings that speed element. The guy that can stretch the defense for you. So I, I just I just have a feeling now with Adams gone that they're going to Kind of keep him in Green Bay and, and and bring him back and give him back to Aaron Rodgers. So we'll see how it goes. But uh, you know, th there's going to be some other free agent. You know, Cole Beasley. I'm not sure how you guys feel about that. Is a veteran slot receiver. You know, uh, up there in years, but still productive. You know, in terms of a, a guy that that can work primarily out of the slot. Uh, I'm not sure if that's something like the, the Bears would be interested in it or not. So you know, we'll see what happens. A, a guy that got cut today on defense is, is Fletcher Cox. Uh, now I, I know he had a down year last year. That. Yeah, he wasn't as productive wow. as he normally is, but you know, there's talk about you know because they, they he was doing 18 million dollar bonus roster bonus uh, tonight, and if they didn't, so they couldn't renegotiate. They ended up cutting him, but they're talking about maybe bringing him back. So that name kind of popped up there and kind of intrigued me. But you know, I I, I think earlier I think they got Blacks and they got Mario Edwards Jr. there, and now with Ogunjobi, maybe another kid from the draft, and they're going to have their four man rotation there inside. So we'll see how it goes there. Um, Alden Tate was a name that uh, a couple of people in the chat room had throw out there, big bodied wide receiver. A any thoughts on him? Yeah, Alden Tate from Florida State, just a big body receiver, not, not a guy that's really a, a, a fast guy, I'd say, but you know, just a, a guy that can come up there and give you some size at receiver. Um, you know, I, you want to give him a flyer? I, I, I take a flyer in him right now. Yeah, he, he's he's guy's been with Cincinnati, um, really hasn't done much, just popped in here and there a couple of times, but uh. You know, if, if I'm if I'm looking to bring in a guy, I want to bring in a guy that that's gonna you know possibly be uh, my number two because if you're gonna assume Darnell Mooney kind of jumps up to number one, even though he's not a really true number one yet, but uh, in this in this system he probably would be right now. Um, you know, that's a guy you can probably bring in compete for like a third or fourth receiver position. To be honest with you, um, so yeah, I mean, it doesn't really you know knock my socks off if if 
to be honest with you, in terms of Auden Tate. Uh, but Byron Pringle is a guy that really I really do like, and I do like that signing. Albert Wilson, a former Kansas City Chief, uh, who played the last two seasons with the Miami Dolphins, is out there too. I would uh, keep an eye on him. I know when he was a free agent with KC, uh, he was a, an intriguing target uh, in my eyes. Uh, That's because Matt Nagy wanted him because he was with KC. So Matt Nagy wanted him. Uh, but the, the one guy is out there as a free agent is Will Fuller. I know he's 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 injured. Uh, he gets injured a lot, yeah. but he's a guy that when he's healthy on the field, he's productive. And we talked about someone that brings Explosive. that deep play, yep, speed element. You know, he's a guy if you want to take a flyer on a veteran. That's a guy I wouldn't mind bringing in here. Another former Notre Dame Golden Dormer. I'm sure that'll make Neil happy. But uh, you know, but you know, guy that can give you some big play potential. Again, keeping him healthy is is the key here for him with Will Fuller. But a man, when he's on the field, you, you cannot knock the guy. He's he's productive. Yeah. All right, uh, it is time to do some uh, evaluation. I'll get the uh, tape machine running here, um, and we will start with – oops, that's the wrong button. We will start with uh, the uh, defensive tackle uh, from Kentucky. Let me, get, let, me get my, let me get my notes ready here. So, AC, hope you're still out there, buddy. I, I, I went ahead right. and I took a look at one of you guys from, from Kentucky. I know you're always, you're always fond of the guys on the offensive line, but, you know – this guy, Joshua Pascal, caught my eye at the combine. You know, a very athletic guy, 6'3", 268 pounds, three-year starter, three-time team captain, the only guy in Kentucky history that's been a, a captain for three years. Uh, played out of position at Kentucky. was more of a, of a, a five-technique, a, a defensive end in a 3-4 system. Uh, but I see him, a guy that you can kick him inside. He's at 6'3", 268 pounds. Uh, I, I, if you guys remember Henry Melton, uh, back when the Bears drafted him out of Texas, he yeah. also played defensive end, and then the Bears brought him in as a three technique, and he had a, a some pretty good years. So if you compare Melton to to Pascual, Pascual is 6'3", 268. Melton is 6'4", 269. Melton ran a one five eight ten yard split. Pascal went a one uh, one six two ten yard split. So you, you got some similarities there as well. And the thing about like about this kid is is, is he brings in physicality and, and a high end motor. Here you see him kicking inside, uh, you know, playing. A, Going right into the to the, uh, I think this is the guy you're going to be highlighting today, aren't you, um, uh, Neil? With in terms of the Georgia uh, Georgia linebacker there, um, Georgia offensive lineman goes inside, gets his shoulder into, into the offensive lineman, continues charging up field, and then was able to get around that that blocker and then get to the quarterback, get his hands on the football, and create a, a incomplete pass there. So it gives you some of that inside pass. We're talking about quick guys, you know, at a three technique position. I think this is a guy that you can add about. Five, 10 pounds to him. And I think you kick him inside. He can be a nice defensive tackle. He does a nice job of stacking the edge there, playing a, creating a hard edge, uh, stacking two guys, finding the football and then shedding and then going after the, the ball carrier and bringing him down. He was double teamed by two Georgia Bulldogs there, stood him up, shedded him, found the football and ma made the, made the tackle there. So again, here he comes in, you see him going, going at two, at two offensive linemen here, goes in and continues his, his charge, plays with a high end motor. The guy is always continuously, you know, rushing up field. Uh, he doesn't have the, uh, the pass rush arsenal complete yet. Doesn't have all the hand moves and all, everything like that. So he's got to be coached up a little bit. So this is the guy I'm talking about maybe, you know, day three, not a guy in the first or second day. Uh, but again, bring him in, coach him up. He has the athletic ability. He's got that twitchiness in his body that I think he could go ahead and if you kick him inside and coach him up, I think he could be a nice three technique. Again, Henry Melton was was drafted out of Texas as a defensive end. They they got him uh, bigger here under under Lovey Smith, kicked him inside and made him a, a very effective three technique. I think he went to a couple of Pro Bowls, if I'm not mistaken. So that's who I thought of when I saw this kid Pascal. Again, highly athletic. Uh, 
twitchy defensive lineman who I think has potential to kick inside in the NFL. Third rounder, you guys think? I'm thinking I'm thinking fourth, fifth round, day three guy. Okay. Okay. Neil, any thoughts on Pascal? Yeah, I remember the kid coming out of uh, Good Counsel, I think, in Maryland. Um, you know, in, in, in high school when I was in Mississippi State watching this kid, you know, he was a uh, pretty good sized kid, uh, played defensive end. I thought that he could have put on probably another, you know, 20, 30 pounds, uh, moved inside, played, uh, you know, five or three or whatever the case may be, uh, wherever he went. Um, you know, I, I kind of lost track of him after the initial evaluation because, you know, our, our, our staff never went forward with him. But what I did like about him is the stuff that you see, you know, the, you know, the quickness off the line, the, you know, the, uh, the, the strength at the point of attack. Um, you know, he, he is, he, he's a twitched up kid, you know, for his size, um, you know, an in, interesting player. Um, I, I thought he would be a lot bigger by now, to be honest with you. And when I first looked at, you know, his yeah. draft profile, I thought he'd be a lot bigger by now. He, he was like 252 to 255 in high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's only two two sixty eight right now. If, if that's, if that's accurate. Yeah. That's, that's it, a combine. That's combat stuff. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, t- to me, I-, I feel like he should have been a little bit more developed along the- this, uh, this point from a physical traits, you know, aspect of things. Yeah. Cause right but, now, um, like, right now he's just running with his, uh, you know, his, his quickness off the snap, right. his, his motor, he doesn't stop, you know, churning at, at offensive linemen. Like we saw right there, even if he's initially blocked, he keeps coming at him, he's coming at him. And if you're, if you're not athletic enough to keep up with him in terms of, you know, a, a, as a blocker, he'll go right around you and he'll get, get to the quarterback or get to the ball carrier mm-hmm. eventually. I just love that tenacity. I love the body size. I, I like the, the body type, the athletic ability and that body type, the twitchiness for a guy that big. I just think that perfectly, again, for this system where you're going to ask your defensive lineman to go ahead and shoot those gaps, get upfield, uh, and, 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 and make havoc in the, in the, in the back, in the backfield. I think this is a guy that potentially you could, you could bring in and develop and, and make him into a, a eventual starter. Give him that weight room, put some more weight on him, put, you know, get, get him a little bit more powerful and, you know, keep that, that, uh, that, that, that quick twitch that he has. Right. Uh, right. I, I figured that again, you know, by now he'd be like 285 pound kid. Again, what we talked about, remember, I always talk about these guys with, with their 10 yard splits, right? We, you know, he ran a Pascal mm-hmm. ran a four, seven, seven forty, which is phenomenal for a guy that size, but his 10 mm-hmm. yard split was one, six, two guys at, at the combine, 100%. you know, compared with Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald went a one, six, three, 10 yard split. So you're talking about that type of quickness, that type of, you know, um, a twitching is off and from that interior defensive line position. That's what this defense needs. That's what they should bring in here. And just, just athletic guys you know, fast and, and, and vicious and be able to get to that football. And with that motor, again, you got to coach him up. You know, his, his, his pass rush technique right now is just a straight bull rusher. He wins off of just, you know, basically effort right now. But you just got to coach him up and get him to the point where, you know, he's using his arms to rip through a swim move and all that stuff. And now he gets even more effective using that quickness off the snap to get into that backfield and pierce and make some plays there. All right, let's move on to cornerback Roger McCreary. You guys, if you guys been listening to or watching this the show, you go, you know, I'm a huge Roger McCreary fan. I've I've been on this kid since the beginning, beginning of the of the of the season. To be honest with you, uh, just a real, you know, you know, a guy that in high school had a you know basketball and track letterman, uh, you know, uh, a two year starter at, at Auburn. Uh, you know, this is a guy that, that when I put on his tape, when I first initially watched Roger McCray, I thought he was more of an off off coverage kind of corner. Here we see him playing some off coverage right away. Uh, but but he played a lot of man at at uh, at uh, uh, Auburn. I, I think that's not that's not going to be his his future at, at the NFL. I think he's going to be excel at off coverage. Here he's man to man. You see him get off get off the the line there. He stays in phase with with the receiver. Now if he just turns his head here, 
just turns around. He can make a, probably a, a play on the football and interception. So he's got to, you know, learn to, to turn around real quick there. But um, he's got, when they put on his tape, you know, he surprises me with his ability to be able to stay in phase downfield with these receivers. Now he ran a four, four, six, 40 at the, at the, um, at the Auburn pro day, he ran a four five forty at, at the combine, but here, you know, so he improved this time here at, at the pro day, but here, you know, this is, this is, um, uh, uh, uh Mechie from, from uh, Alabama. He does a nice job of, of even though Mechie kind of opens him up here, turns his, opens up his hips, wrong direction. He's able to recover, get back in phase and is at least in position there to force a tough throw where Bryce Young overthrows the receiver there. So, uh, you know, again, getting himself in position covers a lot in the slot, uh, you know, so he can play outside. He can play inside 5'11", 190. He's got, you know, some some nice, decent size to him here. Here covering Mechie in the slot. And again, you see him. He's in phase. He's got awareness. He's peeking back in the backfield. No, knows the ball's coming. And I like corners that have that that uh, downfield awareness where they know when the football's coming. They don't just have their backs turned to the to the quarterback there. Um, again, Mechie's going to be a, a, you know, coming off an injury. He's going to be a a, a, a good pick there in the middle of the rounds, but you know this is a, this is a highly productive kid, Mechie, and he does a nice job of, of keeping in phase with him there. Here we see him at, at the line of scrimmage playing press man. Uh, you know, gets opened up here. His hips are opened up real quick. Mechie has a nice move, but what he does is he recovers nicely. So he, he you know he opens up and gets beat on, on that slant. Mechie crosses his face mask, but then he does a nice job of recovering and getting back in phase and making a tackle. So, you know, holds it to a minimal gain here. Uh, again, what he's for me, he's going to be more of an off-coverage corner at the next level, but he does show you some ability to be able to get up there, press, get physical. And this here, this just again, we're talking about off coverage, right? He starts here in the bail in the bail technique. Again, does a nice job of, of just kind of knowing what's going on in the pocket there, looking at the quarterback, and then just then closes quickly on the receiver and does a nice job of playing through the football, being able to knock that ball out of the hands of the receiver, you know, uh, stopping a, a touchdown from going in and happening there. So again, we're just talking about a guy that that plays with you know with instinct as a, and I think I see him in that type of uh, that system being able to play off, you know, hit his landmark and then just kind of you know know what's going on in the backfield and then come down downhill and either make the tackle or, or like we saw there, uh, get his hand around and, and make a plan of football and knock that ball away. So uh, a guy that that's, you know, just plays hard, tough competitor, doesn't back down in terms of and run defense. You know, if, if there's a big guy coming at him, he'll go in and, and take him on. So I just love his character. I love his football toughness. Uh, and I think this guy is, is going to be tailor made for this system here. So, you know, Roger McCurry is, is a guy, if you get him in that second, um, if you get him in a third round, that's a steal. But if you get him that second round, one of those two picks, I think you have a potential here of lining up someone up here across from Jalen Johnson that can be a starter here for, for years to come. Yeah, had a great pro day uh, at Auburn. Uh, Neil, your thoughts on the cornerback? Yeah, he, he had a phenomenal pro day. I had everybody talking about him. You know, the, you know, the, the word he used, Danny, was tough. You know, that it gets tough. You also use, use the word instinctive. And I think we saw on, on that last play in the bail technique, you know, coming back, make the play on the ball. Um, you know, it it, it it takes guys that are tough and instinctive to have the kind of measurables that, that, that he has, yeah. the testing numbers that he has to have the kind of success that he has. Right. You know, he, he, he ran a hell of a lot better at the continent. I should, I should say a hell of a lot better. It, it was, you know, four, four, six versus four, five. Yeah. But, you know, you know, the thing about it is, is that you look at his explosion numbers. It was, it was uh, like around a, a, a 10 broad jump and it was only a 32 much vertical. The explosion numbers weren't great. And you look at, at his like arm length, it was like sub 30. Oh, his arm length yeah. isn't great. He's, he, right. he's going to have all the, all, all the, uh, all the rhetoric against him, right? He's going to have all, all the reasons for people not to take him. But then you turn on the film and it's like, okay, the, the, the guy can hit, the guy can move side to side. The guy, the guy, the guy could stick with big guys. The guy could stick with small guys. He can move laterally. 
Um, you know, he makes the instinctive plays. He knows how to stay in the hip pocket. He can read the receiver really well. If, if it's my guess, he's looking at, at the left hip, you know, and, and just seeing exactly, you know, where his position and seeing, you know, just sort of uh, anticipating his next movement based off of off the foot hip, you know, ratio. Um, you know, the, 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 kid, the way the kid plays football is, I mean, he's really, he's a really nice player. Um, and a lot of guys, a lot of, a lot of teams are probably going to just like stay off of him just because of the things that they saw live, the things that, that they measured him at, the things that, that, that he did in, in terms of testing. Um, I like the kid a lot. Uh, he, he's not my favorite corner out there, but in, in terms of a, like, you know, day two, maybe early day three player, you know, he, he's a guy that you would love to have on, on your team. You know, in, you know, in terms of a, a tough physical kid that, you know, really knows how to play the game of quarterback. Yeah, for, for me, if he's in a day three, I mean, I, I, I'm going to see what's going on. There's going to be an investigation because there's no way this kid should be available in day three. But, you know, I talk about that. I'm, I'm thinking I'm targeting with one of those top, those those two second round picks, you know, and maybe maybe even you can trade down if, you know, if they like him that much and they can trade down and get some more picks and then make, get, get him in the middle of the second round. But Definitely a kid for me, like you said, Neil. Toughness, man. You know that, that arm length is is not ideal. That that's something that I would knock a like a player on, especially a corner, because typically what you see with those guys is you know a their, their inability to get their hands in the ball and play make a play on the ball, and also a lot of times you see guys with shorter arms miss tackles in the open field because just can't they can't wrap up. Uh, but but with McCrary, you put his tape on, you kind of forget about that stuff, right? You see the toughness, you see the competitive nature, and and I I want competitors at my cornerback position. I don't want guys that that cow down to to you know the big name receivers or if they get beat on a first play or second play of the game and they're done for the rest of the game. I want guys that I have that mental toughness along with physical toughness, and I think McCurry has that. You know, he went he goes to the combine, you know, runs a you know a four five forty, which you could tell after he ran that he was kind of disappointed in himself. Um, then comes back and 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 does a four four six at, at his at his pro day. So again, four four six four five over. We're kind of splitting hairs here, right? But uh, I, the guy the guy's plenty quick enough. Again, I think he excels more at off coverage, which is I think the Bears something that would they would probably end up playing a lot more with with the zone the zone scheme. Um, but you know, we we went through our numbers right uh, with the Colts last year. Ibrahulus played a lot of man in terms of percentage wise, but, and he also shows here and in some of these highlights that he can play some man coverage as well. So, um, you know, the, the, the quicker twitchier, faster receivers might give him some problems off the line of scrimmage. You know, the, the short arm length, you know, could give him some problems in terms of if he's, if he's trying to play press man, you know, he better make sure he, he hits the receiver, uh, you know, and, and slows him down. Cause we've seen before, if you, if you try to press a receiver in the NFL and you miss, and you whiff on that that press, that receiver's down, you know, down down the field and scoring a touchdown most likely. So, um, you know, that, those are some things he's gonna have to coach get coached up on. He's not the perfect, you know, perfect prospect by any means. But again, I put on his tape. I love the competitor. I, you know, plays in the SEC, goes against some tough competition week in and week out, and 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 held up well. So definitely a kid that I'm I'm very high on. And if you get him in the second round, I think it, it's, it's tremendous value. I hope to get to all your questions, everyone in the chat room. Let's get one out of the way right now. Ralph Love uh, said, uh, asked, are you guys sold on Jalen Johnson? He personally is not, but what do you guys think? Neil? I, I, he's our number one right now. We, we have to be sold on him. We, we have to have faith in him. Uh, you know, he's, he's put enough on tape the past couple of years to, to show that, you know, he, he can be a dude that, that can make plays that can, that can be put on the number one receiver that, uh, you know, you, you, you can put faith and trust in. I mean, to me, uh, he, he's he's a guy that what would we take him in the second round? Mm-hmm. Um, he, he, he's been everything worth, you know, the position that, that we took him in. Only two years in, guys. I mean, you know, he's he, he he's had more than his fair share of, of uh, you know, madness and nonsense to deal with. 
during, during the first couple of years of his life in Chicago. Um, let's let things calm down a little bit. Let's see what he does this season. I think he's going to have a, you know even better year. He's going to develop even better. Um, I I like the kid. I like what he's put on tape. When he was the number two guy across from Fuller, you know that that's when he sort of made his money. Uh, I, I think he did nothing but hold serve last year. Um, you know he, he's going to be the number one guy. Let's just see what he does. Let's not let's not bail on him too quick. Danny, I know that you like him very much. Oh yeah, I, I I guess I would just pose that question back to Ralph. Like Ralph, why aren't you sold on him? Because I mean, for me, you know, a second year. I mean, I mentioned it, second year player. Uh, the guy's tough. Guy, the guy's physical. Uh, the guy that I just talked about, a guy who's a competitor, uh, doesn't back down from anybody. Remember last year? Uh, yeah, he got burned a couple times versus Devontae Adams, but you know, he is a guy going back there and saying, I want to cover the number one receiver. Um, so yeah, I think that was a, a game that he kind of learned from. And I think this is a guy that, that will go ahead and, and, and just continue to get better. Um, you know, early on that season, I, I think we saw last year, we saw him developing kind of some of those number one corner traits. Is he there yet? Is he a number one corner right now? No, he's still got some more development to do. But yeah, I mean, everything I've seen is, is I see him as, as developing into that 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 number one corner uh, that, that can be a, the guy that can be your alpha guy. And we saw him take some leadership too, right? Towards the end of that season, mm-hmm. to kind of speak up and say, you know what? I'm tired of all these raw, yeah. raw speeches. I want to see people go out there and, and put, put some, forth some effort, right? And then, you know, as the season went ended, we, we heard more and more of what was going on in that locker room. And that kind of makes sense now. And he, but he was like, he was seeing it as a second year player saying, hey, you know, I don't want to deal with this BS here. You know, well, let's stop all these speeches. Let's actually do something here and go out and compete. And, and, and as you know, as some of these stories kind of leak out, more and more players were unhappy with, with the way they were retreated by that coaching staff. And there was, there was more quit than, I guess, you know, we we saw on, on, on the field on Sundays. You know, a lot of players during the week were kind of, you know, packing it in. So, and and he just kind of had enough of it, and he, and he spoke up. I love my only, it. My only concern... Sullivan said it, too. Oh, sorry, Aldo, go ahead. No, no, please go ahead. Please go ahead. No, Sullivan said it, too. Like Nagy was, was dog shit in player development. We're not mm-hmm. sugarcoating it. We've been saying it for four years. No. Uh, hey, happy St. Patrick's Day, by the way, sir. Good old Sully. Uh, fine Irish lad. <laughs> um, he was dog shit player development. Everybody on that, on that, uh, you know, coaching staff was dog shit player development because nobody grew. Players had to grow on their own. They had to be re- relied up, relied upon basically to grow on their own. And Jalen Johnson did that for, for, you know, the first year he, you know, he, he came up aboard as, as a, as a rookie played the number two corner spot, you know, t- t- took his, t- took his bullets <laughs> in, in the, the heat of war. And uh, I mean, he he ended as one of the best rookies in the NFL on year one, and then he come back year two, and he's the number one guy all of a sudden. Second year in the league, you're the number one guy, and he took it like a champ, man. Like he 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 sacked up. He said, "I want to cover the number one guy. I want to cover Devontae Adams. I, w- I want to cover their their stud." And I, I love the fact, you know, Dan, you, you you spoke about the fact that he spoke up. I, I love the fact that he spoke up because, well, shit, somebody needed to, and we knew exactly who he was talking about too. He didn't have to reference anybody. We don't need rock rock speeches. We don't need any any coach speak. We know exactly who the hell he was talking about. Come on, I, you know I I think the kids got the right shit about him, and you know that that Utah team that he came from, you know if, if you guys understand one thing about Utah is that Kyle Whittingham is one of the best coaches in in all of college football, and he developed his kids the right way, and he instills the right kind of of uh, intangibles. You know the, the 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 way you think, the way you speak, the way you act, the way you go about life. You know he. he the guys that come out of Utah are are legit dudes in, in, in terms of, the, of all the intangibles and who they are as human beings. I, I love Jalen Johnson. I, I think that, you know, he's he's been, you know, through the shit, you know, the first couple of years. He, he, was, he was thrown into the fire in year two, really on both, you know, year one and year two, to be honest with you. 
But I mean, especially year two being thrown as the number one guy. That's what I'm saying. Like, let, let's not bail on him. I know he got burned a couple of times. I know that he's not all the way there yet, but shit, if we're, if we're burning on a guy like that, or bailing on a guy like that right now, damn, man, we, we got to grow up as a fan base a little bit, I think. Well, well I, I would like to say that there, there were some maturity issues with Jalen Johnson that need to be addressed. Uh, there's no doubt at all that he's got the physical skills. The kid could play the position. And when Ralph says that he's he, he, he doesn't get picks and he's missed some tackles, you need a pass rush to get picks. And, and at times this team sure. didn't sure. get that consistent pass rush. And it, the missing tackles, though, it does worry me that uh, at in game 17, there's a wide receiver who catches a pass uh, on him and goes down, and Johnson doesn't tag him, does, doesn't um, ensure the tackle. The guy gets up and gets extra yardage. And, in fact, George McCaskey referenced it, saying in the first game, uh, I saw that in game 17, I saw that. Eddie Jackson did it in game one and and it's rubbed off on Jalen Johnson in game 17. So my concern is, does he have the discipline in order to be a number one cornerback? Because you need to follow through and, and get things done in a professional manner. I, I just think I just think those were those were uh, coaching issues. To be honest with you, I think uh, you know that happened week one, right, with Eddie Jackson and another player uh, was it Tashawn Gibson against mm-hmm. the Rams, and that happened again week seventeen. That shouldn't happen, right? And I, and and if you take Matt Eberflus and his staff at their word in terms of what they're going to do, what they're going to preach, what they're going to uh, demand from these players in terms of accountability, in terms of hustle, in terms of you know playing hard all the time. Uh, you know, I, I should we should not see that ever happen again with Jalen Johnson or any any Bears player on defense. To be honest with you, I think that, I think that's something that that coaching I mean, that that kind of tells me that to me was a reflection on Matt Nagy and his staff and and how they were either over over in over their heads, which which I'm surprised most a majority of his staff has been rehired by the NFL and Deshay Townsend, who was the 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 cornerback coach, was was a hot commodity. I think a couple of teams were actually going after him. So so you know that's the thing is like their 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 coaches were respected around the league, but yet when you put that product on the field, it just looked ill prepared. How many times these guys did we see mental breakdowns in the defensive secondary? You know, not not week one. We we saw week one, but we saw it in week ten. We saw it in week twelve. That's coaching. That's not preparing your team to go out there every Sunday to 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 play at maximum effort. And you know that's the one thing that we we when I've heard Matt Eberflus be you know talk up there in terms of you know his his his, his loafing system and all that stuff. You know that goes back to Lovey Smith, and and that's the one thing that with those Bears teams, yeah, Lovey Smith was was maddening. It was frustrating, and and I and by the time he left, I I couldn't stand the man because if he was so hard headed. But one thing you 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 knew. Defensively, his team was prepared. On his defense, he seems he seemed played on on point. They they knew their assignments, and if and they held each other accountable because they knew their the coaching staff would hold them accountable next next day in, in the film session. So you know, a lot of times you'd see Briggs, you see Erlacher, you see the veterans like Alex Brown, you know, get on the other guys and, and, and get them back in line because they knew they would they would hear about it next the next week and, or the next day I should say in, in in film review. So, you know, that goes back to coaching guys, that goes back to the culture you said here. Yeah, it's nice if you go out and win, you do a, you know, a, a club dub and I think that that was a, that was a big thing we had here. Everyone was excited about that cuz you know they were winning and they were having fun. That's great. But you cannot just take one year and be like done with it. And be done with fundamentals, be done with tackling. You know, missed tackles. You know, they were complaining about, about Jalen Johnson missed tackles. The whole damn secondary freaking missed tackles. You know, that, that's the thing. Again, 
go back to coaching. You got to coach them up. You got to get them ready to play every week. And I think that's something that we will not see. You know, the, the interception thing, yeah, that, that's something that, that he could probably get, get better at. But what he does, though, he, he gets his hand on the football and he's he's physical at the catch point. He'll he'll he'll, he'll rake his hand through the, the the receiver's hands and he'll get a PBU. You know, maybe he, if he did a you know a, a better break or if he maybe lunch for the ball, maybe get an interception. Uh, so that's something you could maybe knock him on. He doesn't get those those interceptions that you know the big plays that like the you know the Dix kid does in, in Dallas. But you know I think he makes up for another another ways. I, I think that's physicality. I think that that's in, in his way the the way he's physical at the catch point and he knocks you know knocks a lot of the, the balls out of the receivers' hands. So I think again second year guys. So let's give this guy some time to go ahead and develop and and go into year three and year four and and, and get coached up now and see what happens. All right, let's Mac go back to our player evaluation. We got next up Traylon Burks, the wide receiver. All right, so you guys are you guys are wanting the Bears to sign Juju Smith Schuster. You guys want to go sign these other retread receivers. You guys want number one receiver. I'm getting you guys one here, Traylon Burks. Right, this guy six two two twenty five. I talked about earlier. You know, my comps for him are AJ Brown and Anquan Bolden. If we play, if we can play that play back real quick, although. Uh, you see here how he just lines up in the slot, sneaks down into the flats, and look how just nonchalant just tosses this kid to the ground. You know, that's the kind of physicality you want to see out of your receivers. Big body receiver, not a burner, ran a 4 5, 5 40, but he's got better uh, straight line speed. I think he plays faster than 4 5, 5 on, on grass or on film, I should say. So I, I think this is a guy to keep an eye on. Again, that size is, is what you love about him. Look here, one-on-one, takes off against Job, who's, who's uh, Alabama's top corner. Look at that body control, be able to go back, look for that ball, identify it, and then you know use his 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 uh, sizes, his arm length there, 33 and a half inch arm length to be able to create some some space there, you know, contour to the football, make that catch downfield. This is a guy that's not again not going to be that speed burner, but he's got a guy that's going to make big plays. You know, Brandon Marshall is another guy I think of when I think of this guy play. Here again, uses some of that some of that size physicality. You know, pushes the receiver off a little bit. Could have been offensive pass interference, maybe. But look, it go ahead, goes ahead and runs away from four or five defensive uh, backs from from. Uh, from Alabama. So, you know, again, using that size, using that, that advantage that he has right there. And he's got, you know, long arms, again, 33 and a half inch arm length, gives you a, a nice, huge uh, catch radius. Uh, this guy, I'm telling you, has the potential to be a number one receiver in, in the league. So, uh, you know, he's going to drop. I think this guy was a first round pick going out throughout the whole season, but I think some of these numbers that, that he's put up at the combine, the, the slow, 40 time may drop them. And I think some teams now are going to start moving up here, maybe for offensive linemen, maybe for some defensive edge rushers. I think those guys are sneaking into the, into the bottom half of the first round. So this guy could drop guys. I can hear beats uh, does a nice release here at the line of scrimmage beats the corner, gets by him and, and, and runs away from him. Right. So here we're going to see him again at the line of scrimmage does a nice job of going ahead and, and, and using some of his arms to, uh, to his hands to go ahead and wipe away the, the, uh, the, the corner is trying to press him. Does a nice job now just using that, that burst to get away from the corner, getting that over the top leverage, catch the ball in stride and just runs away from the guy. So, you know, for a guy that's, that's labeled, you know, a slow, you know, big receiver, you know, he, he's showing some, some, some plays here with some sec talent uh, that, that excites me. And, and he's, he's quick in terms of getting off the line of scrimmage, got those long strides, eats up cushions that the, the cornerbacks give him. So he's, he's quickly onto the cornerback. Mm-hmm. And again, with at six two two twenty five, you know, that's imposing size here for him. So, um, you know, this is a guy that I think has that potential guys to come in here and, and develop into an number one receiver again here does a nice job of kind of weaving, finding a, a nice little open area there in the zone and zone coverage, and then goes ahead and uses that the arm length to go ahead and extend out, uses a one-handed catch, lays out. You know, this is a similar kind of catch uh, that Darnell Mooney had last year against, I believe, against the Lions. So, again, a, another big body here, 
to be able to align up against uh, opposite of Darnell Mooney, guy that can make plays like that in the in the red zone, possibly, you know, downfield again, going up and using that that length and that size. I think this is going to be a nice addition to complement Darnell Mooney and then whoever else you bring here and on offense. So I think this guy has potential to be a number one type receiver. Neil, I think you like him too, right? Love it, man. That that last clip, you saw tremendous ball skills. And you know the thing about it is, guys, I keep harping on it. We need a guy with size. You know, we got Equinemius St. Brown. He's got some size. Great. Let's go. Let's get let's get another guy now. 6'2", 225. Um, I figured that he was going to be a mid, you know, four or five guy, you know, mid four or five guy, you know, before he ran and you know the four five five, you know, came true. But the thing about him is, is that you know, if, if you just go, go and put on some of those highlights again, Aldo. So, you know, there's kind of a couple of things I want to point out. Um, you, know, you know, Brad Marshall ran a four six something at at, at the at the at his pro yeah. day, and, and it, I'm, he I'm, ran, I'm and then he constantly about, was. I'm not I'm not concerned about the speed. You know, the best wide receiver of all time ran a four six six, but like if if you watch the way this kid runs, and it's not necessarily in this clip that that you know it, it's evident, but if we if we keep on going through these these clips, the the way that the the, the way that he sort of like bounces off the turf, right? I call that you know the guy has juice in his step. Right. And if you look at his explosion numbers from the combine, I think he had like a 32 vertical. I think he had a uh, it was like a 10 foot two or three uh, broad jump, you know, for a guy that that size. We were just talking earlier about the linebacker we just got that had and I, I put it on Twitter this week. He had 37 vertical and he had a 10 foot three broad jump. I mean, you know, that's a guy that has explosion when you're watching this guy, you know, eat, eat, eat up that turf. And when he's coming across on that crossing route. You see him just sort of like bounce off the turf a little bit. He's got juice in his step. He's got some explosion to him, and, that, and that's why I, I forget who put it up there. Uh, he, he's got that. Uh, I forget how he he terminalized. I, I call it house speed. He's got he's got the next gear. He's got the sixth gear. Whatever whatever, whatever word you whatever vernacular whatever you know thing you want to say, you know he's he's got the extra you know oomph to him to uh, you know separate. Um, yeah. I, I- I can't explain it, but some receivers just they run faster when they have pads on. And I, I just, you know, you just you see it on, you know, it's on dark. film. And then when they, they just don't time well, they don't test well at the combine or at the pro day. But when you put that tape on, you know, you know, we touched on here with Brandon Marshall or guys like, you know, like uh, Jerry Rice. Right. You know, guys that, that ran not, not that fast on, on their, their pro days or at the combine. But, man, you put you put that tape on, you put them, you know, put some pads on them on Sundays or on Saturdays. And these guys are running by, you know, track athletes. So, you know, again, this is the guy that, that if, you know, he's not supposed to be there at thirty nine. But if, if for some reasons, you know, teams drop on him, like A.J. Brown dropped. A.J. Brown dropped because he didn't run that, that great 40, you know, and, and I think that that's that was one reasons why that, you know, he was available there for the, for the Titans at the top of that second round. So if, you, if you're thinking A.J. Brown here again with this kid, you know, hopefully he drops. But, he, you know, if, if he's there, man, if, if I'm the Bears, that's that's going to be a hell of a, of a pick to, to you know, to bypass because you know, we talk about physicality, talk about size, talk about ability to make some big plays down the field. You know, we saw that that one clip where you know one on one, the corner. You know, even if he's covered, he's still open. That that's the type of receiver he is. You guys, get, he can you know use that length, give yourself a nice catch radius, can extend away from his frame, make that play. You know, nice back shoulder throw there, and he was able to go and kind of create some of that separation and, and you know turn his body, you know adjust to the ball and make the catch downfield. You know those are the type of big plays we're talking about, right? And if you add that element to this to this team and add some of those fast guys around them, now you're talking about modern offense that could be dangerous. Yeah, I think the other, th- the other thing about it too is is that you know we we test these forties and we put these guys in track stances, and Traylon Burks is a guy that's probably never ran track in his life, right? Like he, he's never been professionally taught how to come out the blocks. And so, 
maybe some of that four five five is he doesn't exactly like have the the, the professional get off in in terms of you know coming out the blocks in, in a track stance, right? Um, you know, some of these other guys like uh, you know I talk about all the time. Tyreek Hill was a junior Olympian. You know, he's been taught professionally how to come out of the blocks. He ran a ten one in high school, right? You know, the guy, guys like that not only have elite speed, but they know how to manipulate elite speed as well. You know, th- th- this kid has really good speed. He probably just doesn't know how to come out come out of the uh, the, the track stance. I bet if you if you put him in a rolling forty, it's going to look a hell of a lot better than the four five five. And and Russell just put up the Russell. I agree with you, buddy. And I, I don't I don't know if this guy is going to be available in that second round. But I'm telling you, I, I've seen I've seen talented receivers fall out of that first round for whatever reason. Whether it, there's a run on on quarterbacks, whether there's a run on offensive linemen, you know, edge rushers right now are are the, are the thing. You know, in terms of this this draft class, a lot of edge rushers are are, are kind of moving themselves up in that bottom half of that first round. So you know, stranger things can happen, right? Yeah, I, I don't expect them to be there, but I mean, if he drops, uh, I'd I'd be real quick with that card. I'll turn it in. I'm, I'm trying to get this kid on on his, on his roster. I think he'd be a nice perfect compliment to to Darnell Mooney. What about um, uh, a number of questions in the chat room about Christian Watson? Tony Moy says the kid from North Dakota State University. Is he a re- receiver that you draft? Yes, I, I do like Christian Watson as well. Uh, 6'4", 200 plus pounds, uh, different type of receiver than, than Traylon Brooks. Watson's got more speed. Um, uh, he's a quicker, quicker twitched athlete. Um, the, the one thing about, about Watson, runs nice clean routes as well. Uh, the one thing about Watson is, is he comes from, you know, North Dakota State, so I don't know if there's going to be a, a, a you know, an adjustment period here for him to kind of catch up here at, at the next level. But definitely, uh, you know, impressed me at, at the at the Senior Bowl. Um, definitely a guy that that I would I would think about drafting in, in that second round range. Uh, but if you're telling me right now, if, uh, Tony, if I'm if I'm picking between Traylon Brooks and Christian Watson, I'd I'd, I'd, I'd go with Traylon Brooks. He's got that juice. Thumbs up for him, man. He also you're you're like him too, huh? Yeah, absolutely. He, he, he's got to choose. Like, if you just watch him run his route and I, and I get it, it's, it's only practice film. Like we're watching the practice film of these guys and we, we take our notes and we look at the game film, we take our notes, but you know, you, you watch him run routes uh, at, uh, at, at senior bowl. And then you watch him run the routes at, at, at the combine and like everything mirrors it. And then you, you go back and watch the tape and it mirrors it. Like the, the kid is, the kid is who he is. Like he, he doesn't have game tape and doesn't have practice film. Like he, like everything is is meshed together in into one player, um, and you know the, the thing about the way he runs his routes is that he has so much juice getting to the top of his route. You know every, the ground that he covers in his steps. It, he he runs a four three. What was it four four three seven four three eight? It was four three something. He runs a four three something for a reason because he has so much juice in his step. I mean, yeah. going and juice in the step. He has so much juice in his step that he covers so much ground so quick. It's hard for a, a DB to really grasp to, to mentally process what he's doing and be able to react in time to be able to make a play on the ball. Mm-hmm. I, I love that kid. You know, I, I thought he was good on film. And, you know, again, I always talk about these things being affirmation, not confirmation. You know, watching what he did at all, at all these the underwear Olympics, you know, type of things basically just affirmed what I saw on film. I, I love that kid. Being able to see him live just did it for me. Uh, although we're going to be seeing a lot of these receivers, you're going to be asking us about them. Like, do you like them? I'm like, yes, we like them. We're, we're like a lot of receivers. And I'm telling you, that's what I'm Absolutely. saying. Guys, you know, the guys no, that, that are getting upset 100%. here, that the Bears are not going out there and spending big money on, on some of these receivers. Like Juju Smith-Schuster, really, what's he going to do? If anything, you give him a one-year contract, you know, make a break. You kind of, you know, he's never been able to stay healthy the last couple of years. So it's not someone that, 
you know, I really am excited to, to go get. Now you bring me a Traylon Burks, you bring me a Christian Watson. You know, even, even if, you, if you go in round three with a guy like Khalil Shakir from Boise State, you know, guys that have some juice, guys that bring that excitement to you. And I'm telling you, these colleges now are churning out this big, these big play receivers. You know, before, back in the day, when I first started getting into this, this draft thing, it was like, you need a receiver. You know that that, that first year is going to be a wretched year, right? And the guy's going to take some time to learn. But now, man, they're coming out of high school, running these these routes concepts. They, they have all the down pat. Colleges are, are just kind of kind of you know getting them more and more prepared for for being able to get ready to play the next level. And a lot of these guys are coming in and make an impact, make an impact. You know, whether you're you're picked day one, day two, or day three, you know, make an impact on your team. So you know, again, guys, this is a, a deep receiver draft. You know, you're going to have you know three picks in that top seventy nine. One of them should be one of these receivers. Can you see uh, the Bears taking two receivers in the second round, uh, Lazass? Probably. No, not, not in the second round. Two receivers maybe in the entire draft, sure. You know, you can maybe get one in the second round and maybe take a flyer and one in the sixth or, you know, later on in the draft, you know, maybe a guy that gives you some special teams upon return. There's a guy I've, I've uh, that I've kind of looked at at, at – uh, Central Michigan, that that you know, Pimpleton is, is a guy that could be there in that day, day three, give you some of that set them some of that uh, ability as, as a returner as well. Uh, by the way, uh, speaking of Burks, he was a uh, uh, in 2019 as a freshman, uh, second team All SEC as a punt returner as well. So you know, he gives you some of that some that return ability too for for Traylon Burks. So yeah, I, I can see them taking two receivers in, in the draft, but not two in the second round. There's just too many needs right now, guys. We haven't touched cornerback yet in terms of free agency. You know, we haven't touched anything. We talked about you know we we're hoping for. And a left tackle, but we haven't touched that yet as well in terms of free agency. You know, linebacker, we we, we got Morrow. You know, could they get another guy maybe on, on the for for a strong side linebacker? Are they going to touch that in, in, in veteran free agency? Are they going to touch that in the draft? We'll see. You know, safety is a position that we, we've been talking about a lot. You know, and, and and obviously the interior of the offensive line. We're talking about a guard, right? If you're going to let go of James Daniels, Alex Barr signs with with the Raiders today as well. So you know, you lost some of your depth there on the line as well. You know, so you know there, there's still a lot of work here, a lot, a lot of holes to patch up. Um, but and and also we talked about you know another fourth interior defensive lineman as well. So too many holes. You know, to take two in that that second round, it's it's going to be too much for me. I'm thinking you 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 use one of those picks on a receiver, and then maybe you want to double back down later on in the draft on another receiver. Because like I said, I keep repeating myself here. I know, but I'm telling you, day three there are going to be receivers that are available that are going to make an impact on a team. So you can definitely get one later on in, in, in the draft too. All right, let's talk about uh, the safety from – where does he f- play? Maryland, Nick Cross. Yeah, that's him, Nick Cross. Nick Cross. Uh, yeah. This is, this is your guy, Neil. I'll, I'll let you have the mic. Go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I could I could have a lot to say about Nick Cross, but I guess we'll just go ahead and let him talk about himself, Aldo. There you go. All right, so from a defensive standpoint, I feel like my athleticism and my um, skill set allows me to fit into any – any defensive scheme that I go into and fit anywhere in that defensive scheme. I'm um, in the post. I play sideline to sideline, literally from one sideline to the next white. Um, play in the box. You want to roll me down to the box. I understand the run game. Be able to go and, and wreak havoc in the box and, and have a lot of tackles for loss and, and stop the run. Um, if you want to put me in man coverage, I, I do well against tight ends and slot receivers. And even in blitzing, I feel like I'm a great blitzer. Um, I understand snap counts. I understand how to, to blitz off the edge, blitz in the in the different gaps, how the offensive line slides here and there. Um, on special teams, I'm an all-four special teams guy. I've played multiple special teams throughout my career in Maryland, multiple positions on multiple special teams. And um, I've just been able to make a niche there and play at a high level. Um, besides all of that, I'm, I'm a pro's pro. I feel like I take care of my body. I do the things 
the little things that will help give me that edge, um, taking care of my body, watching extra film, getting in with coaches to make sure that my technique and, you know, the scheme things are, are up to par. And I'm someone who off the field, you know, GMs and coaches can go to sleep at night knowing that, you know, they're not going to get a call in the morning, you know, about Nick doing this and Nick doing that. Um, someone who will be where he needs to be on time early wow. and someone who will be there um, and, and be a great teammate and bring great energy. Wow, is right. <laughs> okay, Adam's getting excited there. I'm excited too. I, I wish I had another daughter to marry her, marry her off. To. <laughs> Tell me what you like about him, Neil. You know, the, the, the kid just checks a hell of a lot of boxes, man. Um, you know, the, the, he, in high school, he came from DeMatha Catholic. Um, but that, that that's not really like where he begins. I talk about, you know, how, you know, America loves stories, right? I talked about how Larry Ogunjobi was like basically the, the first his family to do anything, you know, athletic, you know, son of Nigerian immigrants, the whole deal. This kid's parents come from Jamaica and Trinidad and Tobago, right? Like one parent is uh, is is like a, in, in medicine, the other one's in uh, like psychotherapy or something. Like you know, learn, learned people have a lot of uh, have, have a lot of uh, intellect about them. Growing up in that household, they valued academics over athletics and so you know growing up they didn't let nick cross play football because they didn't want it to damage his head right coming from the whole like psychoanalytic side of his family so mm -hmm. like he wasn't allowed to play football until his freshman year in high school when you know he finally got to dematha catholic and he was pleading with his parents like please 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 let me play football i want to play football he was playing uh, uh soccer and um oh god if, if i can remember the uh basketball and soccer he was playing basketball and soccer, you know, when, when, uh, you know, he was in uh, middle school and, you know, growing up and in his off time, he would study football. He would go on YouTube and he would study, you know, players like Sean Taylor and Ed Reed and Brian Dawkins and Bob Sanders. And these are all guys that we want as our strong safeties in the Bears defense, guys that are intelligent, guys that are big and physical, that are fast and explosive, that will hit hard, but also ball hawk. And that's exactly what, Nick Cross is now you, you look at what he what you know his his pedigree is 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 in terms of where he played high school ball to Matha Catholic is one of those kind of like you know blue blood football programs Catholic school football program um you know one of those places that that plays football all over the country um uh, was you know has the, the kind of like you know development that you would want for a kid just learning how to play football for the first time he went to his, his varsity coaches as a freshman said hey I want to play varsity ball and they said no 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 you get you need to play freshman team first so you know how to how to grow into the game, right? And so he plays first year, you know, freshman, and then uh, immediately his uh, sophomore season in high school, he started on the varsity team. And now his sophomore year was the first time I got a look at Nick Cross, and I saw a lot of natural stuff about him, right? The, the way the way that he moved, the way that he read the field, the way that that he uh, he, he he spiked on ball carriers, the way that uh, you know he he uh, you know tracked the ball in the air. And especially the way that he hit, like he had a natural physicality about him. Now you, you look at the, at uh, you know, what he did at uh, the combine, you know, he came in at six foot, 212 pounds. He grew a hell of a lot, you know, coming from the math Catholic into Maryland. He was a 180 pound kid in high school. He, you know, he put on a, you know, a good solid, you know, you know, 30 or so pounds, uh, grew about an inch, you know, coming out of, out of high school, uh, has a very, you know, average, you know, nine hand, decent arms at 31 and a half. Um, but you, in, in terms of speed and explosion numbers, he had a 4'3", 4'40", 37-inch vertical, 
10 foot 10 broad jump. The kid's fast. The kid's explosive. And when you put on the film, the, the West Virginia game is primarily the game that I watch. And I think uh, like very early in the West Virginia game, you, you saw exactly what you need to see from Nick Cross. You know, he's, he's coming from his, his he, he was playing up safety in, in that uh, particular position. I don't think we have the clips or do we? Do we have the clips? Yeah, we looks like we have the clips. But uh, yes, we do. So I wasn't able to edit. Go. So uh, uh, he's over at the forty-three li- yard line, and he's gonna <laughs> he's gonna do exactly what right. you've been describing that he does. Go ahead, take it away. Yeah. So the yeah. So so this, this first clip, you're gonna see exactly what you want to see from a safety. You know, he's this thing's you know pausing on me. He comes out of nowhere, spikes to the football, comes down with conviction, comes down with speed, comes down with explosion, lays a shoulder into the guy. You know, physicality. Um, I talk all the time about that. That strong safety position has to be a, a special position. You have to you have to be fast, you have to be explosive, you have to be physical. This kid, like in this clip, pretty much embodies everything that I think about as as a strong safety, you know, for the Chicago Bears. You know, he he studies the right types of players, he knows the way to play the game. Um, I, lo- I love this first clip. Um, we can go on to the next one. I think the second clip uh, you know, shows off his uh, ball hawking ability. I'll get polls wants to uh polls wants to have a bunch of guys in his secondary that are ball hawks and not only being you know physical guys but also being ball hawks comes from the hash reads reads the uh the the pass tracks the ball makes the pick this was a big game for them guys because you know this went down in the fourth quarter every every play was uh Yeah, every play was a big play in this game, but ball hawk, fast, explosive, physical, and then we got uh, we we go to uh, later on in the uh, the game. I think it's in the fourth quarter. Um, two back to back plays where he just shows off his physicality. This one right here, hey. lays a shoulder into him, flips the guy over. I know you know that the, the play that was made. The you know first down was 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 accomplished there, but. You know, the thing about him is that he wants to dislodge the ball from the receiver and will try to do that every way possible. He's a stud. Two plays no in a row. He, he, he comes off this one to the next play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, it's you know, a lot of a lot of debate uh, in the chat room about uh, whether he's a sleeper or whether he's our early round draft pick. What are your guys' opinions on that? I, I, I think he's a guy that you take early. I, I think if you have if you have the opportunity to take him in three, you take him in three. I think he's got everything that you want at a strong safety position. I, I think that position to me is higher on the list than corner. That position to me is arguably higher on the list than receiver, especially now that we have more bodies in the room after high, after whoa. signing Byron Pringle, Abe Name is Saint Brown. Yeah, hundred percent. Whoa, I feel it. Whoa, 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 whoa! You're, you're gonna 100%. tell. Uh, here we go. Here, here, I'm gonna. I was gonna. After you were done, I was going to get up. I was giving you a nice little golf clap. I'm like, you know what? Neil Neil found a safety in the you know, late day two, early day three. Wasn't going to use a top 50 pick on a safety. Dude, you don't use a top 50 pick on a safety when you're on, on the third level of your defense, when your first and second level has so many question marks in them. I just can't do that. I just And you can't tell me because you have equanimity state brown that you're going to bypass a receiver and that, that top pick 39 or pick. What's the other pick number? Forty-eight. I'm not bypassing a receiver at. at you just said that. I did not. I said uh, although, on day two in round in, in round three. You 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 always say that. You you always say that. Oh, all right. you know, stop. Although, 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 am I am I miss am I miss am I miss uh, mishearing Neil here? Did he not say? 
I, I thought, Neil, that you said that, but you may might have misspoken or I might have misheard it. So I said day oh, two, yeah. round three. Day two, Danny, Danny, okay. Danny always thinks I want to take a. Uh, a but you said, but you said that that just, because because it, I, I thought that if, if there was a chance that Dax Hill was available at thirty nine, that you can't not think about it. Come no, on, dude. No, you can't. I cannot think about it. Not, no, not if, 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 if he's there at seventy eight. I'll who? take him at seventy eight. Nick Cross or or, or yes. Dax. Well, if well, Nick Cross is there at seventy eight. I'm taking him at seventy eight. Well, do we, we have seventy one. You talk about third one. It's seventy one. Yeah. Okay. So, so this is where first of all, let's go, back, let's go back to Nick Cross, right? So Nick Cross is a kid that I like, right? I, I like. I, I think he's he's a, a, you know touch on. He's he's an athletic freak. You know that body frame, big, sturdy, a muscular, six feet two two twelve. You know the, the explosion numbers are are off the charts. Four three four. The thirty seven vertical. I love the I love the speed. I love his aggressiveness. You guys, you guys, Bears fans, you guys want a physical enforcing safety in the middle of the field. Nick Cross is your guy, right? But for me, he's a day three guy, and this is why. And I'm gonna tell you here why. He's a guy that 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 still needs to. His technique is it's kind of bothers me. There's a lot of times he's a little bit too aggressive. Comes in, picks a lane, picks the run run lane, you know, picks the wrong lane sometimes, and 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 there's a big. Gap, gapping hole on that defense. And, and next thing you know, that the runners are up, up the field, you know, 10, 15, 20 yards. So, you know, there, there's some discipline issues there in his game that I see on tape. Uh, and some of those, those clips you just showed here, Neil, you know, yeah, he, he laid the big boom, but dude, he's shoulder tackling. How many times have we seen our safeties last year? Eddie Jackson, Tayshawn Gibson, shoulder tackle. I'm done with that. I want guys that come downhill aggressive like this and wrap up wrap up and bring the ball carry to the ground. Yeah, he put put up you know, a, a big a big hit on that player, but you know what? No more shoulder tackles. All my safety that, that lays that kind of heavy hit on, on a on a receiver on a wrap him up. We wrap don't have up. a single guy that, that has that kind of thumb. No, we don't, but we have guys that do shoulder tackles and I'm done with that. I want wrap up tacklers, right? That's yeah, I want I, guys that come up and, and, and wrap up. And that's 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 a couple of things I have on Nick Cross. That's why to me, I think Don Burr chipped in in the, in the in the chat here and said he's a first or second round pick. I don't think so, Don. I don't think he's going first or second round. For me, he's a, he's a day three guy. Maybe, maybe you, you can convince me if you trade down, you know, from from one of those other picks and kind of get more picks and maybe get him a tail end of, of round three if that position is that type of a of a need for you. So you know, I, he's he's a guy that I like, but he's like he's not a guy that's going to be in a top fifty for me. It's uh, you know very very. I don't know if he's top hundred, but you know, I I, I can. I can live with him in the top 100, but I, I, I'm definitely not top 50 for me. So especially right now with, with the receiver room the way it is right now, even with Byron Pingo and St. Brown added to that room, I still need a receiver out, out of this draft. I still – I'm hoping and praying they sign a, a left tackle. But if not, we need a left tackle from from this from these, these two picks. You know, you say a safety is more important to you than a corner? No way, dude. For me, a corner is much more important. And I, I know you think Thomas Graham is, is going to be a potential starter, and, and I like Thomas Graham. I like Kendall Bildor as well. I think those are guys that can probably compete for the interior uh, slot position. But I, until I have a, a, a either a veteran or, or a high you know pick at corner opposite of, of Jalen Johnson, I'm going to be worried. I am going to be worried. So if, if so, if I have to go to a third level of a defense and use one of these picks, I'm going corner before I go safety personally. But I like Nick Cross. I, I, I like him as a, as a player. Hey, everybody that's listening and watching, just so you know, and no point did I ever say in round two I wanted a safety. Just so you know, but philosophically speaking, um, Danny, I think you said that you wouldn't draft a safety in the first round or second round. Is that what I, I wouldn't? I, if I'm if I'm going to the third level of a defense and addressing that, which is a secondary, mm -hmm. I'm going corner before I go safety. Okay, because Don Burr says so. You wouldn't draft Kyle Hamilton at safety. 
You talk. I don't, I don't have a top ten pick, a top fifteen pick. But but, but if, if if say if to say the Bears had had a, a pick in a top fifteen, and, right. and, and it's and it's Kyle Hamilton or, or Sauce Gardner, the top cornerback, I'm going right. Sauce Gardner. Okay. We only have a body in the room in the safeties room right now. We I don't care. Well, I, we I'll find a safety. He's half a body. I'll find a safety. I don't care. But you cannot find cover corners. I'll find a safety. Safety is a third level of defense, dude. Who all these great defenses, right? All these great you know how many defenses. big plays we gave up in the past like three years because we didn't have a safety. Well, you know what? You, you don't have a corner either. We had enough corners to make plays. Yeah, Artie Burns. Kyle Fuller made plays. Uh, okay, Kyle Fuller got benched by the Broncos, but uh, Artie Burns was, was a no, guy that made plays here. for you. Artie no, Burns no, made for Vic, Vic Fangio here. No, it's it, it, you need it. You need corners. And when when he was with Vic Fangio here in 2018, and Eddie Jackson had a Pro Bowl year, you weren't complaining about safeties back then. And Adrian Amos was here, you weren't complaining about safeties back then. So that's the thing. It's like yeah, a pass Adrian rush. It, was it, a real safety. It, it, it all works, guys. It all works together. Pass rush, the linebackers, and then yeah. and then the second secondary level. So for me, my opinion, corners are more important than safeties at, at the at the third level of defense at the secondary level. Right? I'm not saying safeties are not important. But if I if you're telling me I'm picking between a top cover corner and a top safety, I'm going top cover corner. I'm moving from the middle of the field out. I think this is a fascinating debate because I've been for the last few years saying the Chicago Bears undervalue defensive backs, starting with the safety and also the cornerbacks. Now that's not to say that um, they value cornerbacks a lot. They don't. I mean, you look at, at least under the Ryan Pace era, I should uh, uh, say that. You, you look at the lack of depth they've had at the defensive backfield. You look at the fact that they allowed Adrian Amos to, to uh, go away. You look at the fact that they made the wrong decision on Eddie Jackson and signing him to a multi-year contract. The, the whole defensive backfield has been in disarray for the Chicago Bears for several years. And I don't know, you know, and I, and I think that the debate that you guys have been having about where you select the safety in this upcoming draft or maybe even in future drafts, I think it's a really good one to have. And we should probably address it again in a future show. Um, but because uh, I, I can go either way. I think both of you guys are making good arguments on this. Um, I know one thing. I really miss Adrian Amos, <laughs> that asshole. But then, but but then also to kind of, to kind of be fair, I mean, we're we're playing, you know, you know, three years later, now we're we're kind of saying, oh yeah, they made the wrong decision. But I, no one was up in arms in in terms of keeping Eddie Jackson after 2018 and and letting Adrian Amos go. No one was. What I was preaching is okay. We finally have a safety tandem that works after years and years of right. missing at least one of the safeties. Adrian Amos and Eddie Jackson were like ham and cheese. They worked really effing well together, and then they decided to bypass that. It, it's like Ryan Ha Ha Clinton Dix. Exactly, right. and, and I agree. And 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 it turns out Adrian Amos was a probably a better safety than, than than Eddie Jackson. But at the time, if if you guys were given an option, all right, Aldo, twenty eighteen, after the they're, they're both their seasons, right? You're asked to pick one safety. Who would you have picked? You probably would have picked Eddie Jackson, the guy who made the All Pro team. 
I probably would have, but I would have said, this is really, really close. Can we have a good one hour, two hour discussion on this? Because what Adrian Amos offers this team is not only the ability to play the regular safety position, but in today's football, play inside the box to help out against the run game, do certain things that complement the overall defense. And yes, you want that center field uh, safety, but at the same time, What's happened since Adrian Amos left? They adopted a strategy where the safeties were interchangeable. They wanted Eddie Jackson to play more at the line of scrimmage so that way they could surprise Aaron Rodgers and surprise quarterbacks as to where's that safety going to be? Is he going to be in the box? Is he going to be deep safety? And to me, Eddie Jackson isn't going to scare anybody if he's in the box. In fact, if he's in the box, run the ball right at that guy. (laughs) So so for for that reason, Perhaps Eddie Jackson would have been expendable and, and Adrian Amos would have been the better option. So, you know, it would have been a good debate to have back then. But you're right. It's it, it, hindsight is 2020. I despise the feeling of of looking at, at the, 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 the deep end of my back half and not not having a feeling of 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 uh, reliability back there. Guys that, that guys that can go from the hash to the sideline, guys that can come up and make a play physically. Put, put a guy on the ground, dislodge a football, be smart and make plays. Like we, we, we haven't had that since Amos and Jackson. And ever since we let go, we let go of Amos. Jackson's gone straight downhill. We don't have a single guy in the room that we can rely on right now. So that, that, that's why I feel like safety is much more of a priority right now than corner. Cause we already have one corner. We think we, we might have another one. It doesn't mean we have to go out and, and take another one with pick 39 or 48. But it, it does do. mean I that we need do. to look at we need to look at one of the important parts. And, and again, I, I look from from the, the middle outwards to, to the sidelines. You know, I, I go I go from the ball out and from the middle out. And so corner and receiver are sometimes the last things I think about. I want smart, physical, intellectual, high FBI or high high IQ football players down the middle of the field. And I'm going to look at safety before I look at corner. Because a lot of times the safety is the one that's making the calls. And if you have a kid back there that's intellectual like a Nick Cross and a kid that's instinctive like a Nick Cross and a kid that's fast like a Nick Cross and a kid that could dislodge a ball like a Nick Cross and a kid that wants to play football like Sean Taylor like a Nick Cross, I'll take a Nick Cross before I take a corner, especially since we actually have bodies in that room that are functional. We don't have a body in the room right now. I totally disagree. I totally disagree. And just look at the money, guys. Look at the money where the NFL goes. Who gets paid more? Corners, high-end corners or high-end safeties? The high corners get the most money because they're covering. This is a pass-happy league, guys. This is where you have three or four receiver sets. You need guys that can cover receivers, right? There's And and then the NFL offensive coordinators have gotten to the point where they beat pass rushers, you know, front fours that, that get to the quarterback by quick throwing the ball, getting into the hands of, of their of the receivers and getting the ball out of there. And now you need a corner now that can cover, but also they can tackle as well. So, you know, you give me a, a cover corner, a guy that can that can tackle as well and, and cover, that that to me is, is a prime prime uh, position on defense. And I think that's something that you need to cover before you can cover safety. Because you can always you can always get guys that, that can be smart. You can be, you know, a, a freaking, uh, um, what's his name, uh, Sandejo, has been starting for how many years now? Athletically, he is not up to par with some of these other safeties in the NFL, but he's smart. 
he's a smart kid and he's physical. But guys like that can can make you know uh, you know your defense you know solid if you will in that secondary. But you got to have guys that can that can get to quarterback up front, guys that can cover at the second and third level as well. So I think those are are areas that you got to address initially. And the fact that I like Thomas Graham, I like Buster, I, I like um, I like the the other Kendall Vildor. But I, I just I, if you're gonna go tomorrow and start one of those guys, I'm not even talking about injuries, right? Football is any given Sunday, one of these guys can get hurt, God forbid, for the for the entire year. And now you're gonna bring guys off the off the scrap heap and 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 start them at cornerback. That that's to me is is, is a position that is a dire dire need. As much as we think receiver is, offense tackle is, I think corner is is a dire you know, need a position that that the Bears are gonna have to fill. Now if they go tell me tomorrow they're gonna go sign Stephon Gilmore. All right. Now, and on the third round, you want to take a flyer on the safety. All right. Cause you have that veteran corner now opposite of Jalen Johnson. You know, I, I feel good about that. And now we got Thomas Graham and Vildor as backups. You know, now I'm feeling good about that position. Right. But just to go in there with, with, with not, without signing a veteran, right. Veteran free agent go in and just kind of ignore that within the first two picks, first three picks uh, to me, that, 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 that would be wrong. Outstanding conversation guys. And we have so much more uh, to talk about questions and so forth but we're out of time <laughs> and so um that's a really good tease to get people to join us back here next week thursday i think we got a show next week i, I think mm -hmm. uh so let's make that promise official uh next thursday at 8 uh, p.m central the guys will pick another handful of prospects to evaluate uh, we'll do a better job of getting to your questions and we might have a special guest with us i'm working on uh, a couple of people uh, we know that's always fun. And thanks to Vinny Monsignori for uh, joining us from the Las Vegas Journal of Vinny. And so, um, guys, any final thoughts about what has transpired with the Chicago Bears in terms of free agency? Because that is the, uh, at the moment, uh, uh, main avenue for player acquisition. And then uh, we'll uh, focus more on on uh, uh, draft picks in, in future episodes. Any thoughts on the, the free agent losses or additions? Yeah, losses. We we, we went over it. Uh, you know, for me, it's 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 James Daniels and and and, and Jakeem Grant were the ones that kind of really. I wish they they were to find a way to keep them. I I, I wish I'd done the uh, <clears throat> updated number crunch in terms of how much cap room they have currently. But like I said earlier, I'm I'm, I'm hoping that that they're saving that that money because I, I know they they were in on. Uh, Teron Armstead. At, at least they, you know, they uh, inquired on him. So hopefully they're they're in negotiations with him. Obviously he's holding out. Uh, you know, the the rumor is that he's waiting to see what happens with New Orleans in terms of Deshaun Watson. Is he going to go to New Orleans? If he's if so, the rumors that he's more inclined to stay with with the Saints. So we'll see how what you know what transpires there. But that's that's my hope, man. I hope they they bring in either a Teron Armstead or, or a Dwayne Brown or, or a veteran a left tackle to go ahead and, and, and kind of man that that left side uh, for at least, you know, next couple of years just to kind of protect, you know, Justin Fields and kind of now start building, start forming a, a solid offensive line here in front of Justin Fields. So, so far, like I said, I, I like what they've done. I love the uh, the defensive tackle signing. I think they need to you know, probably adjust that position now, uh, maybe later on in the draft and, and bring in a, a guy like we talked about today, the kid from Kentucky as, as a, as a developmental prospect, because I think with, with these, with Ogan Joby and, and also, um, with you know uh, Meyer Edwards Jr. and then also uh, Angelo Blackson, I think we have a solid three rotation man there. Got to get another one in there as well. So uh, yeah, if they adjust corner, if they, we talked about maybe Tyron Matthew being a possibility, if he stay you know if he stays out there on the free agent market. So very very interesting and intrigued to see what they do next. 
Uh, I definitely want to see um, in terms of you know what they fill in terms of needs, and then that way Neil and I can focus a little bit more on yep. you know on, on positions of, of of dire need, right? So if they get a left tackle, for example, then now all right, left tackle could be on a back burner. You know, if you get a guy in a fifth round developmental prospect, you know that that's probably where you're going to be shooting for. Now you're going to push up those positions like corner, like receiver, like safety, like, you know, maybe a lot another linebacker up the board more if they're able to, to get a guy like a Toronto Armstead. So, you know, th- this, what they do in the next couple of weeks in free agency is really going to help narrow down and determine what they're going to do in, in the, in the upcoming draft. So it's, it's very, uh, uh, I'm very intrigued and very curious to see what happens. Yeah. we got Neil, we got to add the, a punter to our evaluation because this team is in need of a punter having lost Patrick O'Donnell to the Packers. I thought that really hurt. Uh, put that in the list of players I would have liked to have seen come back. Or, or maybe we're just not going to punt this year. Which, yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you know, whatever. There is that, that kid from San Diego State. I'm, I'm hearing I'm hearing like third, fourth round buzz on that kid. Which one? Yeah. The San Diego State kid. That Hank oh, yeah, yeah. Matter. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm hearing third, Daniel fourth round buzz on. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm like that's serious for for a punter. There's another kid from um, Georgia. Is Georgia right? Is it Canada? Yeah. Is that is that some Canada? He's oh. also a, a a pretty a pretty decent oh. respected punter. Yeah. So we'll see we'll see what happens there. But yeah, I mean, you know, O'Donnell had I think he had his best year last year. The other thing about O'Donnell missing him is he was a holder for Cairo Santos. So that's going to oh. be another mm-hmm. thing now where you're going to have to bring in another new holder. So Santos is going to have to get a, get accustomed to a new holder. So uh, that that was a surprise there in terms of you know him leaving. But the thing with O'Donnell is like whenever I just felt like whenever you needed a big punt from him, he'd shank one. He so that, that, yeah, but but when he when you were just kind of like middle of the game, whatever you know, he'd boom it. But is that when that that big punt they needed him to to kind of pin a team inside the five yard line, he'd shank it. So that's the thing about O'Donnell that would kind of disappoint me. But uh, you know, yeah, we'll need a punter. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if we're gonna, you know, draft that kid from you know, San Diego State. Definitely a, a, a good-looking prospect. But again, we just talked about all the needs that we have on, on this team. I, I think you can't afford to kind of use, use one on, on a punter now. So um, Johnny Hecker got, got got cut by the Rams as well. So I'm not sure how. I haven't been keeping up with his his stats and in, in terms of you know how is he um, punting, but uh, definitely good in terms of you know faking and throwing the football around. So we'll see if that that's something they they bring in here. Yeah, Hecker, and actually the guy that kicked uh, or punted for the Packers uh, had a good season last year, and I think he was asking for more money than O'Donnell, which is why they made that change. So um, we'll, we'll see. And and there are three or four uh, punters in the college game uh, prospects who have been consistently good. Uh, so there are some opportunities there. But, yeah, it still hurts because kicking or punting again at Soldier Field is not an easy duty. Uh, Neil, your final thoughts, please. It's so undervalued it's mm-hmm. so, it, it, and it's underappreciated. And, I mean, Pat O'Donnell, to me, like he delivered. Pro Bowl guy, consistent, reliable. Yep. Um, we, we brought back uh, um, Patrick Scales. We yes. Back Patrick Scales. And that's important, too. It is important because you can never underestimate the reliability of, of having your core special teams unit intact. Guys, guys that you can depend on snap in, snap out, kick in, kick out, you know, when, when, when it comes down to it, Patrick scales has, you know, done the job at a, at a really high level for years now. Was this uh, eight years? Mm-hmm. He's been in Chicago. Is that right? Eight years. So, yeah. You yep. know, th- thank God we at least have him back. But I mean, for, I mean, for F's sake, just don't get rid of Cairo Santos. You know, yeah. <laughs> they've already they've, they've already shown the the propensity to not appreciate their kickers once already. Just hey, when when a guy has a good thing going, keep going. But I mean, in, in, in terms of everything so far, what Poles has done so far, so good to me. 
Um, got rid of the guys you needed to get rid of. Uh, I do wish that we kept Jakeem, uh, Jakeem Grant. I love mm-hmm. balls of explosion. That's what he is. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he, he was an absolute weapon on special teams in terms of, in, of, of the return game. Uh, you know, I, I went back and watched the um, – when, when I was looking at uh, our boy Lucas Patrick, I went back and watched our Bears game from week 14, I think it was. And that was when he had uh, – uh, uh, was it like a jet sweep for a touchdown and a kick return for a touchdown or a punt return for a touchdown and a kick return for long yardage and put us in, in, in plus territory. I mean, like, you know, what, 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 those kind of weapons just don't fall off of trees. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's it, it's a unique thing to have that kind of dude, you know, in, in your arsenal. But, you know, again, I, like, I, like I said, like I, I posted earlier this week, there, there's a reason why that type of guy doesn't stick on rosters. And we're not within the four walls of Hallis Hall, so we don't really know the true story on why he's not there or why he doesn't stay on whatever roster he's been on since he's been in the league. So, you know, just going to, you know, trust that Poles is, is, is doing the right thing. Generally, he has so far. You know, uh, Artie Burns didn't resign him. He was, you know, borderline worthless. James Daniels, I know, Danny, you like him. I don't. Um, I'm glad he's gone. Uh, Eddie Goldman took a whole year off for no reason. Sayonara. Tariq Cohen is scared. Good riddance. Uh, you know, Khalil Mack uh, has been playing her for three years and has been a, a fraction of what he used to be. Um and you know missed uh, what ten games last year, so it, it, it's hard to see value in guys like that 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 make themselves unavailable or unavailable because of injuries. And so like he's doing the right thing. I think that you know the fact that he found uh, the Chargers to go ahead and take his entire salary and also give us functional picks for Khalil mm-hmm. Mack is is a big win in my book. I know a lot of people don't think that way, but I think that's a win because like I said in the NFL you don't pay for busted up aging and declining. And that's exactly what Khalil Mack is at this point. He's going to be 31 by the time the season starts. He's been on the injury list for the past three years for eight different ailments. He's not getting healthier. He's just getting worse. And so I feel like, you know, what he did in terms of finding a suitor and getting the the entire salary, you know, taken care of and getting picks back for him, especially another second rounder that can help us out with all these dire needs that we have. I mean, that's a massive win. Dane Trevathan is is, is old and slow. You know, we got, we, uh, you know, got rid of him. So, I mean, we replaced uh, with Larry Ogunjobi, an explosive violent three technique. We got a, a nasty, you know, center. We got a, an athletic, explosive Mike linebacker, probably. I know uh, Gabriel thinks that, you know, those two guys are interchangeable now. You know, it'll be interesting to see what, what they end up doing with those guys. But, uh, you know, so far, so good, though. Um, you know, uh, in, in terms of next week, I'm sure I'll figure out a way to uh, put another safety on the show that Danny thinks I'm going to want to take it. Take yeah. 39. I'll, I'll, I'll do my best. Um, <laughs> see what I can come up with. Maybe, um, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe a punter we could pick a take, uh, take a pick 39, Danny. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you, you, I never know with you, man. You might do that. Who knows? Well, but that's a good question. This Arizari guy that everybody loves, uh, he could go in the third round. You're going to mm. pick him. That early, with not, not, not with not with this team and, and its needs. I, I just I, I know he could be a weapon potentially. Yes, he absolutely. he can flip the field, which which uh, for a defensive minded head coach, that's like gold for have a punter like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just unless they they start making some moves in free agency and start filling some of these holes with legitimate players, I I just I just can't see. And then you only have six picks as it is right now to to use one on a punter. 
it's 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 gonna be tough for me to swallow. Now, it, it, like I said, this kid is 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 one of the best partner prospects come out in, in recent memory. So mm-hmm. you know, you know, he's gonna be worth that that pick. But I just think for the Bears, it's like you have just so many other different needs, you know. So I, I, I just hard for me to get to to use that pick on a punter, even though I like the kid a lot. Here are uh, uh, other punters outside of that. Jordan Style from Penn State was the other one I was thinking about. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's, a, it's a good list of names. Based on what I've been reading about these guys, I haven't el- evaluated any tape, but you know, it, basically what these people say is he's been consistent. He's got a long punt of this and so forth. And so you know, it's almost like you don't really need to look at tape of punters. I mean, particularly a, a guy like me, I don't know the techniques of punting the ball well. I know Danny does because when we were at the senior bowl, he was pointing out to me how one particular punter, I don't remember his name, how was holding the ball and that it was, was the uh, it was the kicker that actually that got drafted by the by the uh, 49ers, uh, uh, the kid from Utah. I can't I can't pronounce his last name, but uh, yeah, but he was a it was a the way he was he was holding the ball was kind of dropping it kind of like Australian style and uh, right, but, exactly. but now but now he's he's he's, he's been coached up where. He's coached yeah. up where he's not he's, he's punting it normally, but yeah, he's he's a kid that that I think he was a third or third round, third or fourth round pick for for the uh, for the 49ers. And, and you know, I don't know if he's made any Pro Bowls, I can't think of the top of my head, but he's he's been a solid punter for them so far. But yeah, I mean, after after pick 71 in the third round, you're looking at at you have no fourth round pick as of right now. You're looking at round five between 148 and 150. You know, could a Jordan stop be there? Sure. Uh, that, that could be a position you, you you might you know that area you could look at that kid like that, but I the Ariza kid probably would be gone long gone by then. So, um, you know, definitely love definitely love the kid, but I just I just can't see using any one of those first you know top seventy one picks on on a punter. Danny, you know you uh, want to take a punter at thirty nine. Come on. <laughs> Come on, I take a safety and a punter at 39. That's for sure. <laughs> this is the Bears. Of course, they do something like that. Hey, again, for all those that are listening and watching, I want an offensive lineman at 39. Nothing else. <laughs> For someone to defending himself, defending himself very hard there, Neil. I mean, it's something like I mean, come up we, we can we can play the tape. Although we can play a tape back, can we just play a tape back? Thank uh, you, Sean. I, I that, that's was. Play it back. Wishnowski is a is a punter. Thank you, Sean. Hey, out of all the great comments and 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 questions and stuff in the chat room, this is the one that I like the best because it's so absolutely true. PZ saying. They're not going to fix right. the team. Exactly. 100%. Yes. I started the show saying this is like rehabbing your house, man. It's a mess. There's dust everywhere. You're trying to find your your shoes and stuff. And do do you guys know the the potential cap numbers that they're going to they're going to be available under the cap next year with all these dead money that's coming off? I, I mean, I'm I'm hearing like almost close to like 80 to 100 million is that i don't know if that's true i haven't gone through uh, the website to, to kind of well, confirm i think that, it's but. 120 million thereabouts now my speculation is that as opposed to the 10 million that it usually goes up pre-pandemic i, I i'm speculating it's going to go up closer to 20 million dollars and so the bears uh prior to all these free agent signings had about 123 million dollars in cap space with a lot of holes uh, uh on the team but I think there could be somewhere about $150 million in cap space for the Bears, which would make them a, a big uh, spender in free agency next season. That's where I five and change according to spot track. There you go. For next year, right? Neil? For next year. Yeah. And that's 5.5 million. Yeah. Cause, and, and then they're carrying about, I think they're, they're leading the league this year and carrying 40 point, 40 and a half million in terms, in terms of debt cap money on their, on, on their, on their salary cap this year. So they're, they're, I think they're tops in the league there. So, um, that's the thing is like, is like, if they don't you know, next year, 
after they've, they've, they've gone in here, they've, they've gotten that, that, you know, that system down, they've, they've, they've set the culture here. Now you're going to start seeing them go out and make some, some big plays. I just hope they don't just spend money, you know, hope haplessly like, like the Jack, Jacksonville Jaguars. I have no idea what the hell the Jaguars are doing. It just, you know, year after year, they just throw money at players and just give these uh, uh, Christian Kirk, really. I mean, that, that, that type of money for, for a slot receiver that that's oh, never had a thousand, thousand yards in his career mm-hmm. came from a pass happy offense that just wasn't, you know, he wasn't consistent. So I don't know what the hell the Jacksonville Jaguars are doing, but I just hope the bears don't do that. And then the next year they go in with a plan and then they go in and, and they, they, the, they get the bigger name guys. They're, they're, they're shopping on day one. The other thing is, I think I'm looking forward to next year is, is you know if someone out there in the chat knows the the comp the way that comp system works because I just can't figure it out. But you know with all the players the Bears are losing with Allen Robinson, Akeem Hicks is going to be gone. You know other players that like Jakeem Grant, a Pro Bowl returner. You know James Daniels. You know and and they've they've made one you know moderate to big signing if you will. I'm I'm thinking they're going to get a couple of comp picks as well. You know next year so they already have their full complement of seven picks, the sixth round pick from from the Chargers. So that's eight picks and a couple more. You know you could go in next year with like ten picks, 120 plus million dollars in cap space. That's the year you're going to see the Bears and, and Ryan Poles and and, and Matt Eberflus kind of you know put their fingerprint on this roster. Yep, you're absolutely right. Green Bay Packers, Baltimore Ravens are two of the teams that do an excellent jo- job of making player movements that is are going to yield compensatory picks. And that's what Ryan Poles is going to do as well. You're going to see compensatory picks in the 2023 draft and beyond because that's part of uh, Poles' strategy. So that's a really good point. Um, all right, that is our show for tonight. Uh, we have a special show tomorrow. I was I was going to take the day off. And then during this show, I get a text from Greg Gabriel says, I need to talk about Equinemia St. Brown and a couple of these other guys. And oh. so at noon tomorrow, we're going to find out what Greg Gabriel thinks about these other guys and Equinemia St. Brown. So that'll be at noon tomorrow. And then after that, I'll go to the dentist and get some root canal work done. And, uh, and all weekend long, I'll be drinking more whiskey to ease the pain. So yes. <laughs> you guys were outstanding today. Happy St. Patrick's to everyone out there. Hope you have a great St. Patrick's Day weekend. Danny, Neil, uh, uh, let people know on the audio version how they can get a hold of you on Twitter. Well, for me, it's it's at dshimon56. That's uh, at dshimon56. Uh, hit me up with with guys you want uh, in terms of uh, us to go ahead and break down and 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 give you some scouting report on. I, I got I got Sky Moore coming out next week. I'm gonna break him down here for you guys with some tape clips and all that stuff. And I know a couple of guys in in the chat room wanted to know about Sky Moore from Western Michigan. We'll we'll go ahead and break him down. He's just one of the guys for next week. So uh, if you guys have any players. Uh, Hit me up at, on Twitter and just say, hey, you know, give me a breakdown on this guy. And then Neil and I will will we'll go ahead and, and break it down for you guys here on, on Draft on Tap. Neil, you're I Twitter. Am, I am at N-I-E-L-S-T-O-P-C-Z-Y-N-S-K-I. Nice and phonetic. Danny, Easy to can, spell. can you uh, spell Neil's last name without looking at? No. I don't think I don't think I don't think Neil could spell it because he was looking at the screen too as as he was reading off his, his, his Twitter handle. <laughs> well, all you gotta do is look over your shoulder. You got that cool poster behind you. All right, everybody. Thanks very much, especially you people in the chat room. You make this so much more enjoyable. But but those of you listening 
on demand, whether it's here on YouTube or on Spotify, uh, uh, iTunes, wherever you get your podcast. We appreciate you as well. Uh, and don't forget, Greg Gabriel and me tomorrow at 12 Central. Um, and that's it for tonight. Take care, everybody. Thank you.